Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are an exploitation double feature of Black Dynamite. And I'm gonna get just sucker. Watch out for the gold. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Are we celebrating that Rush Limbaugh died? Is that why you're happy? I don't I, I would never, I would never celebrate someone dying. Yeah, I, I don't agree with celebrating someone dying. It doesn't mean I'm sad about it. Sure. Well, so yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm also not upset about him dying, but I'm not going to celebrate no. it. And I'm not going to pretend like he wasn't a piece of shit just because he's dead. The dude was a no. piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, I, said, I, don't, I don't wish death on anybody, but sometimes I feel less bad about it than other times. That's not yeah. unreasonable. Like, like it would have been better if he just came to his senses and started acting rationally, but... Yeah. Man. I feel... I feel bad for his family's loss, I, but I don't feel bad for his loss. Doug's <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck those people. I, I literally, I, I got a text from a buddy yesterday and it was something and it mentioned that and I was just like, Rush Limbaugh's that, eh? And they're like, I, like, I don't care on a fascinating level. <laughs> 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 I guess we also all knew it was coming, right? So it's not like... Yeah. God damn it. Let's talk about something good. I don't want to talk about that piece of shit. He's dead. I don't ever have to talk about him again. Oh, yeah. His influence in the world is just going to fade away now because he hasn't done excruciating amounts of damage. His his influence will remain, but his relevance will fade. Yeah, it does. Just like the black exploitation genre of films? Boom! Segway! <laughs> Like a Segway ninja. <laughs> he segwayed in such a manner as to let our audience know that we talk about films that are uh, irrelevant on this podcast. That's what he did. He's <laughs> like, you know, you know what's irrelevant? The stuff we're about to talk about. Correction. Accurate segue. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're discussing two... Black exploitation inspired movies, um, <laughs> right, right, possibly parodies. Yeah, take take yeah. ons, take ons of black exploitation that are in and of themselves black exploitation. Yeah, uh, yeah, weird well, category. yeah, it's interesting. Comedies? <laughs> are they both comedies? Uh, are we do are we starting with that point? <laughs> sure, they're they're definitely written to be funny. So, I think. We're suggest- so our theme for the week is 
irrelevant movies inspired by the black exploitation genre that were written to be funny. And I'll I, have actors from *In Living Color*. And I have I have a really hard time accepting the idea that *Black Dynamite* is irrelevant. The, you already agreed to that earlier. <laughs> That's not. That was not one of the points up for debate. Yeah, maybe. The fact that it's not um, relevant makes me sad. This should be more relevant. We'll get get there. Um, Since Doug, since you said you were pleasantly surprised by I'm going to get you, sucker, why don't you uh, give us a rundown? Uh, I'm going to get you, sucker, is an early attempt by the Wayans boys to put together one of their typical comedy movies. Um, This one is about a guy who dies from wearing too many gold chains <laughs> and his older brother who has been away in the military comes back and decides to take on the gang that sold him all the gold chains <laughs> which is a lot more funny to say than it was to watch actually now that I'm doing it um, and when things don't go as well at first as they could he has to put together a team of retired black exploitation action stars to take on the local gang Hammer, yeah. Slammer, and Slade. Yeah. So, for me and Doug, this was a first-time watch. Um, did not know what type of movie this was. Still didn't know until the uh, the cops show up at the crime scene and are talking about it, and then they go, "Just a case of too many gold chains." And then they show them, and the, and the dude's like. Covered from head to toe it's in like gold mummified chains. in gold chains. And I'm the like, is, oh, okay. The thing is, I didn't figure it out at that point. Because no? I, I, I don't know how I didn't figure it out at that point. <laughs> but then after, when they're in the apartment and the mom is like, you got two choices. You can go out the window or down the stairs. And they're like, oh, we'll go down the stairs. And then she throws them and they come tumbling <laughs> down the steps. That's when I'm like, holy shit, that mom could have been played by Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which I'm surprised he's not in this movie, but maybe there was I, a war between the Zuckers and the, <laughs> the Wayans at the time. The, the Wayans were building their empire at this point, yeah. and they clearly knew what they were going for, and you could definitely see the building blocks towards all of those other movies they did, most probably most successfully the uh, scary movie franchise. But it, it's... Yeah, you could just definitely see that here's just kind of like, I don't know if it's their first swing at it or something close to that. So, Noah, you love this movie. I'm a big fan. You braided both me and Doug for not having seen it before over chat. I'm not, so, it's not that I'm trying to berate you guys. It's just that it, it blows my fucking mind <laughs> sometimes, especially when specific people haven't seen specific movies. Sure. Like this was this is a so pretty just to big clarify, nerd too, movie when it came too, out. You're like, I can't believe these two chubby white dudes who spent all their time watching horror movies didn't seek out this. Like, go back into the Wayans Brothers catalog after they, you know, look for everything. So I'm. It's it's not that I'm not surprised that you guys didn't go back to see it after the fact. I'm surprised you 
didn't come across it when it came out and was popular. I was nine. You guys yeah. But the humor in this movie is written for a nine-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we could all agree to that. I feel the mu- it's written for adults with the sense of humor of a nine-year-old. <laughs> ah, that's splitting hairs. <laughs> no, but in the it's in the interest of fairness, the whole like plot point of seeking out like guys from the like black exploitation guys from the seventies who are retired and working normal jobs in the neighborhood now, like that joke wouldn't be funny to a nine-year-old. It's funny to me. I enjoyed that element of it a lot, and it just wouldn't have. Yeah, there's a few jokes scattered throughout that would have been quite funny. See, but Mm -hmm. I saw this whenever it came out, and I I most certainly did not get the black exploitation jokes because at that point I was not yet a fan of that genre. But I think just most of the surprisingly for how Looney Tunes cartoonish the humor in this movie is most of the jokes land and most of the jokes still land pretty good. Like I oh, even it, think yeah. some of the dumb ones, like whenever they go to the, uh, the, the, whatever it's supposed to be, the, the black liberation army headquarters. And there's just the one guy left. Yeah. And, and he's obsessed with things made out of beans because poor black people ate beans <laughs> apparently. And then it's slowly revealed that like, he's kind of a doofus and then his wife is white and then his kids are super white when the kids were reading like the black power speech that they were planning to give in school the next day about Abraham Lincoln and the little girl is like right on brother (laughs) I laughed out loud the bean bean soda gag is so fucking stupid and it's still fucking funny every time I see it I like the bean ice cream the wife was not only white, but she was the representation of whiteness because she was played by Jan, Jan Brady. Right. And of course, they play the Brady Bunch theme yeah, over they the scene. In the background over the scene, which is just. I was like, well, that's a little on note. I don't know, but that's pretty funny, though. <laughs> like, it was hard to judge this movie. Yeah. Uh, about the only joke. Like the movie's okay, I, I'm not in love with it by any means, um, which I know is going to blow Noah's mind again. No, uh, no, I think that that is a perfectly valid assessment of this movie. This movie isn't brilliant; uh, it's just pretty fucking funny. Um, I just like the joke when uh, they're arguing about stuff, and Jim Brown's character is like, "What makes you think you can be a black hero?" And he says, "I'm an ex-football player." And he just kind of looks at him and, yeah, all right. And then just turns around. <laughs> oh, my God. The the part of the movie where the guy lights the bomb and then is rappelling down the side of the building, it just fucking explodes halfway down. That's, that's one of the funniest fucking. And, and once again, that's some straight up Wile E. Coyote shit. Oh, yeah. But it's so fucking funny. And I think it's so funny because I've seen this movie, I don't know, a dozen times. And you're still not expecting it to happen for some reason. It's just him rappelling down and all of a sudden, come here. <laughs> I also did like uh, when Isaac Hayes and the other white guy were like, I don't know karate. I don't either. Do you just want to make it up? Okay. 
and they just start doing <laughs> random kicks out of nowhere. Yeah. It'll look like two guys that don't know anything about karate <laughs> trying to do it. My favorite karate theme joke in the movie was when they went into that one bar and they were like shooting it up. And the one guy that was a karate guy for whatever reason was just throwing ninja stars. The rest of them are shooting up the bar and he's just standing behind them throwing ninja stars at the bar. That was, that was the best Super part right. for me. Yeah. Um, so a weird piece of trivia. Apparently Eddie Murphy is the one who came up with the idea and the title for the movie. And he was talking with Keenan Ivory Wayans and Wayans is like, oh, that's fantastic. Can I make a movie out of that? And Eddie Murphy's... You know, 1989, Eddie Murphy's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Today, Eddie Murphy would have been like, pay me. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's good. And then it, it is just, if anyone hasn't seen it, it is literally the entire cast as the cast of In Living Color. Like, they clearly yeah. the success of this movie into getting their own show. And the movie plays out like In Living Color, the way these types of movies tend to do. It's just a series of sketches, basically. With a very thin plot line to get through. You, which is funny because I really enjoyed Living Color back in the day, but yeah. I don't know. The movie is just all right to me. I, I think we might be overselling the movie a little bit by just yelling out our favorite parts. Um, but <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it doesn't. Comedy from this era doesn't tend to hold up that well, and this is. You can tell this is kind of their first go at this. So there is like some issues with the fact that the biggest issue I would think is that the big kind of funny, like, and by funny, I mean stupid moments. There's a little too long in between them, which, you know, in this type of a movie, if you're watching, you go back and you watch the, like, the, the really good ones, the airplanes and all that. It's just one joke after another, after another, after another. So you don't have time to stop and think about what you're watching. And here you guys the eat- are a little too long. You guys did notice who the k- k- kung fu guy is, right? Steve James from uh, the Michael Dudikoff movie that we watched. Yeah, yeah. Crossover. I only knew his name. I only knew his name because I have I have the IMDb for the movie up. But you know, I was like, we've seen that guy in American Ninja. I didn't realize it was him. To be honest, it doesn't. Guys- it doesn't particularly look like him for some reason. It really doesn't. Um. Did you guys uh, watch after the credits? No. No. There's a post-credit scene with Kung Fu Joe. Really? Yeah. Because huh. uh, what is it? The joke is he gets shot up or whatever at a bar or wherever. Yeah. Like he gets taken out before the big battle. But he's still like crawling, like he's gonna go. Like I still gotta get to the thing. And after the credits, you see him just crawling through like the open lot, and he's like, "Tell him, tell, tell Spade, I'm here." There's like one <laughs> random, one random guy. It's like, dude, everybody left. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> then, uh, two two years after this movie, apparently uh, they decided to try to make a TV spinoff, and it and it didn't work. Yeah, was it? Hammer, Slammer, and yeah, Hammer, Slade? Slammer, and Slade. Yeah. So three of the, three of the the apparently old it's a lot more than up? that. The the IMDb for it says tons. Of, basically, everyone came back except for Keenan Ivory wins for some yeah. reason. Even though he was the producer and writer of the show. Yeah. Oh, he was the writer on it. Well, he might not have been the writer, producer at least. Producer, yeah, okay. 
Because, I mean, I think this type of humor, he's very good at it. I think you need him to be successful. I don't know that movie would work without him. So, not necessarily on, on screen, but certainly the writing and the directing and stuff. Um, I don't know. Does anybody else have any other favorite parts? I really I don't know like if there's any deep nuance to get into. No, no, but I really liked the part where he was, uh, they were like walking down the street and he's like, they're talking all manly. And he did the whole like, look, I'm, I'm trained for combat. I know I handle these situations. And then somebody starts shooting at him and he just starts running in circles, screaming like a girl. <laughs> that joke worked for me. Well, Eric LaSalle took over the Keenan Ivory Wayne's character in the in the TV show. Huh. At least they have the same name anyway. Keenan Ivory Wayne's didn't want to be on TV. He wanted to start that other TV show that he started like a year later. <laughs> I really like the uh, when Flyboy gets out of prison and it's him trying to like look like a 1964 exploitation pimp and everybody's like what the fuck <laughs> he's got goldfish in his shoes that was pretty funny the the throwback to when he won pimp of the year <laughs> was at least conceptually it was probably the best joke in the movie it didn't i don't know how well it landed but it was just the idea of that we're gonna do this flashback to him in like a pimping contest where they <laughs> was really funny I wrote a poem, and it's called My Bitch Better Have My Money. <laughs> Which I think uh, Rihanna owes some people some money based off this. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people owe this movie money. Chappelle's show has got several jokes that are, like, straight-up cribbed. Yeah, but you could argue that this cribs from things that came before it, too. Well, that's true. So, I'm not, I'm not saying good. it doesn't. The flashback to like the dance scene is like just like the dance scene from Airplane, I think. I think oh it yeah, it's that's yeah. what I was thinking the whole time. I'm just like, wait, they did this joke in Airplane, except yeah. it, it wasn't like a Soul Train thing, but it was more like a Saturday Night Fever joke. Yeah, no, they just they just, for lack of a better term, and this is the most racist thing I'll say all night, but they really blacked it up. It's all they did, right? <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. They're just like, what would be the black equivalent to that joke? Which I guess they, is, since this is a tribute to black exploitation, I guess that is kind of the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, yeah, they'd be on Soul Train rather than Saturday Night Fever. There's the, the obligatory Chris Rock, good lord, that's a lot of money scene. Yeah, which Noah is going on and on about in the chat. I just, I, I'm telling you, I remember in high school when this movie came out and everyone was doing that constantly. You were in high school in 1989? Do no. what now? Well, no. You are in high school well, in 1989? No, everybody, I already yeah, explained school. this to you guys in school the Discord. School is what I meant to say. I think uh, I, already, I already explained to you this to you guys in the Discord. They redo that joke on In Living Color, and that's how oh, everybody yeah, yeah. knew it. That's why everybody was doing that, is because of In Living Color, not because of this movie. It's the same joke, and it's written by the same people, so it's not a ripoff or anything. But it is, it was popularized a couple sure, of years I, after this. So I, I agree, I agree with you that that is a significant possibility which makes me sad <laughs> like I said have you guys seen littered part 6 say no say no motherfuckers of course I have god wait, damn it wait till we do Bill Cosby month it's gonna be we're gonna do we're gonna do all of them Litter part 6 ghost dad 
<laughs> we, don't, we really don't need a Bill Cosby month. Please stop. <laughs> go, go on the dark web and find some weird videos of Bill Cosby. God. It's just, once again, it's weird to me that there are more people in the world that have seen Leonard Part 6 that I'm going to get you, sucker. Because I think I'm going to get you, sucker, is funnier than Leonard Part 6. I, I Probably is. I haven't, I haven't seen Leonard Part 6 in forever. Mm. Um, I was a little sad one is, uh, uh, what's his face is, uh, Fly Guy's aquarium shoes broke. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, the fish. I know, right? Do you guys like the, uh, commando reference at the end? What was the commando reference? I don't know. They were doing it when they were all getting ready to go fight. If you look at Keenan Ivory Wayne's his character, he puts on the big black vest with the big knife and just like commando. Oh, okay. So... I thought that was fun because it reminds me of Commando and then I smile for a few minutes because I get to think about Commando. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I love in this movie. Like uh, when we finally Let's get the appearance Commando. of uh, Mr. Big at the end of the movie who's played by uh, John Vernon. Is that his name? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, it's you. And he goes on a diatribe of, why are you surprised? Lots of people have done exploitation movies, and it's clearly Mr. Big is the actor John Vernon <laughs> playing yeah. Mr. Big, which is a pretty good joke. Just a, a nice little fourth wall break, basically. The only thing I found offensive was that they referred to Halloween as an exploitation movie, and I don't agree with that assessment. <laughs> uh, I can I can see the argument, but it, it definitely lends more to the horror genre than the exploitation. Yeah, like if you were to say that about like a Friday the Thirteenth or something, I'd be like, yeah, like I can yeah. I can see how somebody would make that argument a little stronger. But Halloween's so I think it was based. it was supposed to be an exploitation movie. It was made to be an exploitation movie. The problem is John Carpenter is so goddamn good at shit, especially in the seventies and eighties, that sure. he just propelled it propelled it up. 20 levels. Solid 10 years after the fact, so it's not like yeah. none of these people had seen it. They knew what they were talking about. Well, I, would, I was going to say, I, I would have to say the same thing that I always say whenever this thing comes up, and that's, you have to boil it down to a subgenre of exploitation film, because the term exploitation film is so fucking worthlessly nebulous that any film is an exploitation film. Any film. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with that. A absolutely. I mean, it's b basically it's exploiting people's desires to sell a film. That's what okay, all well. films do. That, all films do that. That's, that's the literal definition of what it is. It drives me bonkers. If you advertise a film, you have now made an exploitation film. I'm not. I'm not getting into this discussion. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just not engaging with this. What about at the end when the Damon Wayne's character? They're like, look, there's two ways down from here. And he goes, the hell with it. I'm not getting thrown down those stairs. And he jumps off the building. And they're like, I guess he didn't know about the elevator. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. yeah that is a joke. That is a long. Times. It's a long setup for a punchline. That's yeah. I mean, it takes the whole movie to get to that joke, but it was worth it. Uh, I did find it mildly humorous that uh, Keaton Ivory Wayne keeps getting pissed the entire movie because his mom keeps coming to help him. 
yeah. even even during a shootout, she's got like a shotgun and stuff. He's like, "God damn it, mom!" <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. I liked the the way they kept bringing in those repetitive humor, which again is not particularly original, but it I don't know it works in this movie. When done right, it's it always makes me laugh. So it's hard to analyze comedy films. So it is, especially this type, because it's just. I mean, the plot is completely irrelevant. It's just a series of funny things happening. Yeah, I mean, this one was more plot-heavy than most, in the sense that at least they had the whole thing with bringing in the older group of guys and all that, but still. Uh, well, anything else, I guess, before we move on? Um, yeah, if you, if you haven't seen it, and you like Leslie Nielsen films, you should probably see this. Yeah, if, if you're a fan of this type of humor, which I think most people can enjoy it on some level, because it's, it's just so dumb that there's going to be something in it you laugh at. Even if you're laughing at it instead of with it, that's fine. This type of humor doesn't care. And uh, I'd recommend it to people. If you liked In Living Color, you should probably watch this, because it's basically In Living Color, the movie before In Living Color. <laughs> It kind of is, yeah. It's too bad Jim Carrey wasn't in this. That is too bad. Yeah, what was he doing? 88? He'd be Love, Love Bites or whatever. It's around the same time. Yeah, probably still doing mostly stand-up. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess let's move on then. Um, so we broke sort of one of our rules that I keep forgetting about. But not doing any movies after 2000. Dynamite! Dynamite! The movie is made to look like and is set in the 70s. So, I'm down. Uh, so, Black Dynamite uh, is very much a play on the black exploitation movies. I would say even more so than this movie. Because it does everything in its power to make itself look and feel and sound like... A black exploitation movie I, from the 70s? I was going to say, and even more specifically, uh, Dolomite and Black Belt Jones. Yeah, it definitely falls into that sort of category. Um, our hero, Black Dynamite, played by Michael J. White. Uh, his brother gets killed, and he uh, decides, I'm going to figure out who killed him or whatever, and gets pulled back in, because apparently he used to work for the CIA where he had a license to kill, uh, gets pulled back in because someone is also flooding the street with drugs, and he has to figure out that, and he puts his little team together to figure out who did it, and then lots of hijinks ensue. There's lots of stuff with pimps, lots of stuff with, uh, uh, I don't know, corrupt white people, I guess. I love I love the fact that there there's like... Uh... It's not exactly subplots. It's just that they introduce plot points and then resolve those plot points over and over and over again. So this movie feels like you watched the entire first season of a 26-part TV show. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. It still does it in under an hour and a half. Right. It moves at, it moves at a clip. It's, it's impressive how much they get done in this film. Yeah. And I was going to try to argue that maybe it's a little less uh, uh, naked gunny than the last movie. Well, the first the one I re- is. 
Yeah, when I rewatched that with uh, with that in mind, I was like, oh no, this is. <laughs> There's all kinds of shit that's very, that's very much set up that way. So. Um, so now, Doug, I know you were worried, but what did you think of this movie? Uh, I did not really like it. Uh, what? I feel as though the entire first half of this movie at least the first half maybe the first three quarters um, was just if you think it's funny for black people to speak in traditionally black terminology then this movie would be hilarious but if that's not immediately funny to you then it's really not so like if somebody's talking about money but instead of calling it money they call it bread if that makes you laugh then the first half of this movie would just have you rolling around on the floor but but that's just them doing 1970s jive slang sure sure and also if you think it's funny when one person calls another person turkey well they do that 450 times in this movie so that's if you think that's funny you'll <laughs> laugh 450 <laughs> times <laughs> Find that which, I, which I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I didn't feel like for the first very long part of this movie, I felt like they were just doing that was the only joke on screen, and it just wasn't very funny to me. I don't know what this jive ass turkey is talking about. See, I have to get back to the hood. See, I didn't where I am from. I didn't personally find that very funny when you said that, and therefore I didn't enjoy this movie. Because that is that is the first half of this movie. It's that's the first scene. But there's well, more to it. I don't I don't know. I that's that's madness to me. Yeah. I guess me and you will have a discussion now and Doug can yeah. sit and do nothing. Because there's also nonstop kung fu jokes and and hemp jokes and I'm gonna beat your ass jokes. <laughs> you know all the things that make the black exploitation genre a thing. Well, yeah. Okay. I guess maybe there's the issue. If you're by default a fan of black exploitation, maybe it's maybe that's something. But as established through previous episodes of this podcast, I'm not really into that genre of filmmaking. I see. I could have sworn I recalled you enjoying Black Belt Jones. No, I remember he didn't like it. Now again, someone's skin color is of a particular tone, so they speak in terminology that is traditionally associated with that skin tone. Not inherently funny to me. But that's, that's but that's, that's not really. Movie, but but that's not really the joke. It kind of is. Not, not exactly. It just contextualizes the joke. The, the joke, joke is, is that everybody oh, everybody joke. in black exploitation movies talk that way. Yeah. yeah. But so now what do you love about this movie? Besides all I, of it. I love everything about this. <laughs> God damn it. It I still think it's probably the funniest movie to come out in the last 20 years from my perspective. I will agree with that. From I can't also maybe, my perspective. Yeah, I was going to say maybe Anchorman. Maybe. Because Anchorman was really fucking funny the first time I saw it. But I think that this one stays funny on repeat views, and Anchorman gets less funny as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, 
so in this movie, because they initially released a trailer, and it was just sort of like a fake trailer, just to kind of get the idea of what they were going to do, and then they went and made the movie. Uh, I saw the trailer, and I'm like, this looks amazing. I cannot wait. And then when the movie came out, I bought it immediately, watched it, loved it, and uh, showed it to all the drunken zombie guys. And it quickly became like one of their favorite movies. And favorite movies to the point that there would be episodes of the podcast that would not get done because we were watching Black Dynamite. (laughs) (laughs) Because it would be like, oh, I got 20 minutes for the guys to get here for the show. I'll just throw on Black Dynamite and watch the first 20 minutes. And then they would show up and then just nobody would shut it off. (laughs) So we would watch the entire movie. And then... Well, not enough time to do to do a show now, so I guess we're done. So, yeah. Uh, Tommy Davidson in this movie, I think, is fucking hilarious. Um, I was always a big fan of his from In Living Color, though. Uh, I was super happy that he came to town to do stand-up once, and I got to tell him how much I loved this movie. But then he straight up lied to my face. Because I asked him when they were doing another one. And he said like a year and a half from when I was talking to him. And that was like five years ago. That lying son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. (laughs) God damn it. I just... The the problem with trying to review this movie is all I want to do is just scream all of the quotes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when he sees all the all, all the drugged out kids in the hospital, and he tells them he's gonna he's gonna slap that shit out of their smacked up little bodies and just start shaking that one kid. It's it's the worst when it happens to the orphans because they don't have parents. There was a line where he said, "I used to be an orphan," and I thought that was mildly entertaining, but I'm not even sure if it was an intentional joke or not. It was, because it's great. I used to be an orphan. You didn't laugh at your knowledge of scientific biological transmogrification is only outmatched by your zest for kung fu treachery. <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, God damn it, Doug. You didn't Party laugh super. at Haha, I threw that shit before I came in the room. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Or when he shows up at the uh, pimp club and tells them all, as of this moment, I'm declaring war to anybody that sells drugs in the community. The Black Dynamite, I sell drugs in the community. I love, I, I love uh, whenever they're doing the uh, the vote and they're going around and all he's saying is all the outrageous pimp names. And of course, you know, they all have something clever to say. But then he gets to that guy and he's like, chocolate giddy up. And all he does is go, chocolate giddy up. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking Captain Kangaroo Pimp for some reason. <laughs> Which that dude looks like Captain Kangaroo. Like that was terrifying. <laughs> God damn it. Anaconda malt liquor gives you. <laughs> Did you at least enjoy the martial arts of this movie, Doug? Uh, not particularly. No. God damn it. Not even his his over the top Kiyoi scream stolen directly from uh, Black Belt Jones. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I didn't realize it was stolen directly from Black Belt Jones. But... 
So like, okay, what about the scene where he goes to the pool hall to to meet up with that guy? Turns out it's a trap, and they tell him to get out of there, and he just shuts the door and starts beating everybody's ass. But then he chases after the main guy, and his friend Bullhorn hangs out, starts beating up that one guy, and accidentally slaps the actor in the face. <laughs> the actor gets mad, and they just do a quick cut, and it's a completely different actor. And he starts beating him up. Yeah. Now. But I did like it in I'm Gonna Get You Sucker when the mom came into that place and then they just, they clearly had a stunt actor with like a full-on mustache yeah, yeah, take the, over. The, the white dude in Africa awake with a mustache. <laughs> oh, that was that was really funny. But that was in the end. You didn't like it whenever he had a nunchuck battle with Richard Nixon? Uh, honestly, I think that I would have enjoyed the last half of the movie a lot more if I hadn't watched the first half of the movie. Because around the time that they were starting to figure out that the it was like a Richard Nixon plot to make black people's penises smaller in conjunction with, yeah, like I started to like kind of like like man, I I could theoretically enjoy this if I hadn't been bored for so long coming into it. Oh, what about the convoluted discussion of how they figured out what anaconda anaconda malt liquor does? It made me want to watch Batman sixty six, where that same scene happens but better. Hmm. It just went on way too long. I'm like, and I figured it out before like the people on screen figured it out. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of a funny joke. And then it's like two more minutes before they get to the joke. Uh, it wasn't funny anymore after waiting that long. I like the fact that it's the random old lady at the side who keeps saying things. And he's like, yeah, yeah, the old random old lady. <laughs> what about? You didn't even, you didn't even <laughs> like the scene? Where the, after they figure that out, they go to the guy's house and he's just sitting on the couch with a teeny tiny dick, and they and they kill him because it's not worth living with a dick that small. I conceptually I like that joke, but I didn't think it was executed very well. Mostly because I think you do one close up on the penis, not like five. <laughs> I think they had to make up for the fact that they'd shown. 20 pairs of breasts somehow in the first there's 15 nothing, minutes. There's nothing to be made up for when it comes to that. <laughs> I do like, even in the opening of the movie, it's it's Black Dynamite uh, having group sex with several women, and somehow they're all three orgasming from him fucking one of them. <laughs> yeah, he's Black Dynamite. Dynamite! Uh... What about when they go to the was it chili and donuts? Is that what, <laughs> what the place was? Yeah, chili and, and donuts. And that guy's dressed up like in that. I guess it's supposed to be a donut costume. Looks more like a pancake, but he gets or shot and then cheese. Yeah, he gets shot and you see him just spin on the floor. <laughs> Well, and he uh, shoots him, and wherever the guy falls over, he's got, like, an AK-47 in his fucking hand. <laughs> and that nobody had somehow noticed before. Uh, and then I pointed out to you guys over chat, there's two scenes in this movie that were completely accidental that they just left in the movie because that's the kind of shit that would happen in a exploitation movie. Where, when he goes to his brother's apartment... And the weird snake-looking guy from Ferris Bueller's there. <laughs> and he, he runs downstairs, jumps in the car, goes to leave, but the door gets stuck on the curb and he can't shut the door, which was completely an accident. And then uh, 
the uh, chili and donut scene where all the thugs show up and they all hop out of the car, but the driver forgets to put it in park, so the car just starts rolling. Yeah, I thought that was actually kind of funny. I didn't realize it was unintentional. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was completely a mistake. And they're like, no, that's perfect. That's the kind of shit that happened in these movies all the time. We'll just leave it in. Shut up. You'll wake up the other bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I just I go going into this, I really thought that we would see the opposite, that Doug would enjoy this film and he would be angry at me for making him watch I'm gonna get you sucker. Mm-hmm. And and it's weirdly the opposite. I don't know how to process that information. <laughs> well what did you think I was gonna like about this? I, I don't Everything. know. The, the same thing that literally everyone else I know that has ever seen this movie likes. <laughs> I have. You were the first. You were the very first person I have ever met that did not like this movie. And weirdly, I'm going to say the same thing. And like that includes. Every... I, I was going to say that includes people like random, like my parents. Well, I I have never claimed to like the same movies as your parents, and I don't think it's fair to assume that I would. <clears throat> a strange thing yeah it's just weird <laughs> i don't know i don't know where we go from here I have to figure out some way to deal with it <sighs> make me sad Doug. Well, it day. makes me happy when you're sad at least i've got that going for me <laughs> damn it aunt billy how many times have i told you not to interrupt me when i'm doing my kung fu <laughs> <laughs> Get the fuck out of my house. I'll see you tomorrow. Euphoria, I know that's you. I don't even have to look. <laughs> Man, come on, when the madam is smoking her cigarette, but it's obviously not a lit cigarette. Mm. That's a joke, that her cigarette wasn't lit. Yeah. Still. All right. <laughs> it's in like one of those fancy like cigarette holders and she keeps taking a puff off the thing but it's obviously not lit and there's one take where she actually coughs after taking a hit off of it which makes it even funnier because there's, it's not lit at all that's the whole joke come on Doug we're taking a boat ride to Kung Fu Island <sighs> Doug what about the, yeah? What about the militant that kept reading the stage directions when he wasn't supposed to? No. Yeah. Sorry. All right. We'll chalk it up for another disappointment yeah. from Doug. <laughs> so this one, I recommend this movie to anyone who isn't Doug. <laughs> <laughs> the, the category of people who like this film is not Doug. Yeah. This is one of those movies where if I meet somebody new who's in the movies and I ask them what they think of Black Dynamite and they say, what's Black Dynamite? I get so excited because I get to watch somebody watch it for the first time. And it always ends well, except for this time, apparently. <laughs> except for this time. This is the exception. Like my friend that I've watched movies with lately, he's he had never seen it and we watched it and he absolutely loved it. Oh well, uh, it just more makes me sad that Lando's going to grow up in a world where Doug doesn't expose him to stuff like Black Dynamite. You watched the Man- Mandalorian season one episode two again tonight. If that makes you feel better, <laughs> <laughs> only slightly. 
That's the first time he was allowed to have friends inside the house since he <laughs> since he's seen it. He's like, I know what we're doing. Why is it that specific episode? He likes watching Jawas get killed. I don't oh, know. it's the Jawas. Okay. His little friend was like, those little guys are cute. What are those? And then all of a sudden, Mando kills a bunch of them. <laughs> Anyways. Jawas. That's off topic. All right. Well, anything else, Noah, before we move on? <sighs> no. No, I feel like if I talk about any more of the funny things, Doug will just rob the happiness from the universe. <laughs> Instead, everyone just needs to go rewatch. Watch Black Dynamite if you haven't seen it, and rewatch it if you have seen it. Yeah. So the interesting thing is they're going to make a meta sequel because the thing about this movie is that it's... It, like, Michael J. White is not supposed to be Michael J. White in it. He's supposed to be another actor so he's playing somebody playing black dynamite <laughs> um basically he's playing up like the the weird 70s thing or whatever uh so they were going to make another movie but it wasn't a sequel to black dynamite but it was supposed to be the actor that he's playing starring in another black exploitation movie called the outlaw johnny black um and I donated to the Indiegogo fundraiser, but I haven't heard anything in like three years because I went back to check yesterday if there's any updates. I check IMDb, it says it's in post-production. I know they shot some of it because there's been like a teaser trailer that was put out. I mean, I'm assuming it hit its budget in an hour. No, it didn't. That blows my it, mind. It only put it up, put it up for a million dollars and it only made like 33,000 or something. Uh, which is a bummer. Oh, but that kind of blows still, my mind. They still uh, you know got funding and went and made it anyway. But uh Yeah, I signed up for a Blu-ray Blu-ray perk, but haven't heard anything on the status of it for a while. So hopefully it's done. Like I said, IMDb says it's in post-production. And it seems like uh, it's sort of a take on the Fred Williamson movie Boss. Okay, nice. Not not the original name of it, but I'm not saying the full original name of it. Yep. Um, And you you shouldn't. Because uh, there's a very bad word in it. (laughs) That uh, Even when they re-release it on Blu-ray, they're like, we should probably just call this movie Boss and not the full name. Just, I love the concept that they're releasing a movie on Blu-ray, but they won't put the title on the box because it's too offensive. Just called Boss, but if you look, there is alternate cover. Like you can flip the cover over after you buy it. It has it has everything on it. But um, so it's it's so, set. So then they can uh, sell it Walmart. Exactly. It's set in the uh, set in the old west. It's a western, but in the uh, in the movie Boss. Uh, the town, this guy, this uh, black bounty hunter and his assistant, I don't know what you would call them back then, apprentice, whatever, uh, show up in this town, end up taking it over, so he becomes the sheriff. Uh, and, of course, all the white people hate that, and the whole town is corrupt, and he tries to, you know, fix 
whatever stuff he's going for. Um, think of the movie Bla- Blazing Saddles, but do like a serious version of that. It's kind of what it is. Uh, with Fred Williamson and the main character. And so it looked like they were doing a similar, like even, even in the little trailer, he wears like the same hat. Same type of hat that Fred Williamson wore in that movie, so... Hopefully it comes out someday. I'd love to watch it. I'm assuming uh, Doug would not be in line to, to watch it, probably. That's all right. We'll see. Like, you guys just are using this as an excuse to attack me. People are allowed to have different <laughs> opinions. No. Know. No, they're not. It's all right. It just makes me you, sad that you don't enjoy it. Like, everybody, like everybody else I know enjoys this movie. Yes. I was going to say, you are allowed to have your opinion about the film, and everyone else is allowed to be very confused by your opinion. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Hey guys, this is Eric in Michigan. Uh, I just want to let you know how much I enjoyed listening to you talk about Dead Man. Uh, <laughs> funny story. On Dark Discussions, we have a Patreon and... Uh, one of the perks, actually the only perk, is that uh, if you're giving us money, you get to submit a topic for us to possibly draw from a hat once a quarter to do a show on. And somebody picked Dead Man for us to do a show on, and and we eviscerated that movie. Um, it was pretty much like everybody saying something about the movie that was dumb or, or sucked, uh, and me following it up by saying, wah, 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 Fade Black. So... Uh, I was happy to hear somebody else hate it just as much as we did. Um, yeah, so apparently uh, if somebody gives you money to talk about something, you're supposed to say good things. So that person got kind of upset with us and is no longer our patron. But, oh, well, I speak the truth. <laughs> I also wanted to let Brian know that uh, he unwittingly took a recommendation of mine. Haha, <laughs> uh, because he was talking about Unhinged. And he was talking like Doug talked about it, but he doesn't remember that I'm the one that originally talked about it when I filled in for Noah while I was sick on the show. Ha <laughs> ha, you took my recommendation and you didn't even note it because your brain doesn't work right and you can't remember things. Ha <laughs> I win. Peace out. Uh, as you just heard, Eric sent another voicemail in. Um, so apparently they do Patreons over at his uh, podcast because... The big takeaway from this is that people pay them money in order to recommend movies, and we're just like, yeah, Tracy, we'll do all 80,000 of your suggestions. <laughs> Give us time. Because <laughs> we're good at business. Yeah, I don't think our 12 <laughs> listeners would, would pitch in for <laughs> for recommending anything anyway. Uh, my friend's wife just started a new podcast about Snowpiercer, that okay. TV show. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, she's been going for like two weeks. She already has more downloads than Midnight Drive-In. And I was like, oh, thank you. Good. (laughs) They made a TV show out of Snowpiercer? They did on TNT. Why? I don't know. Supposedly it's good. I haven't watched it. It's on Netflix here if you guys want it.
I don't know if that means you guys would also be able to watch it on Netflix if you're curious. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Connelly's in it. I think that's the only that's the only person. I, oh, Sean Bean's in it. I think he's the big bad guy on the show. I assume he's killed early on. Shouldn't be. Twist. They're on season two, and I think he's still alive. So. Uh, it doesn't sound right. You must get the actor wrong then. Yeah. That doesn't seem like something Sean Bean would do. Um, oh, so the whole point was somebody paid them so, so they could suggest that they watch Dead Man. And apparently they hated the movie about as much as we did and made fun of it. Sounds like they and, hated it more than we did. Yeah. And apparently that person that paid them to, to review it got really mad and stopped paying them. Is that... Not to get involved in the debates that other podcasts are having with their listeners but it seems like would you want somebody to just say positive things about a movie you like because you gave them money or would you rather just hear their honest opinion of it if you're listening to somebody's podcast I will listen philosophically and ethically I'm with Doug you wouldn't want that but at the same time any person out there listening if you pay us $25 $25 we will like your movie we will we will pretend to like it the whole time give me that 25, money five $25 Jesus four four dollars no, I refuse I refuse to bend for less than 25 but for $25 I will well, pretend that Jamie Kennedy can act well I think it's Oh, somebody offer him 25 bucks of going to Malibu's Most Wanted and hear him try to enjoy it. Uh, I think it's $4 American, $25 Canadian is how that uh, shakes out. So we're not actually arguing that's your... No. <laughs> it's technically the same thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll I think, I think it, would, it would be like if somebody somebody paid money to like, oh, I hope you guys review my favorite movie, Black Dynamite. And me and Noah are like, this is the best movie ever. And Doug's like, I didn't enjoy it. It was dumb. And then that person's like, fuck you. I want my $25 back. You can't have the money back. That's never going to happen. I'm I'm sorry. We can only refund one third of your money because only one of us didn't like your movie. (laughs) Uh, No, I I don't know. I always just uh, just like uh, am bummed that people don't like I am today with Black Dynamite. That's just more like no, why? I would hope you would get enjoyment out of it, so the serotonin levels in your brain would go up like they did in mine when I watched it. That's what you were thinking. I just at home alone. I hope yeah. those serotonin levels go up. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Oh, and then he gave me shit because I watched Unhinged. But he's acting like it's sort of a... Tr- somehow... He, he recommended gets it the to recommend. me. He recommended yeah. it to me, then I recommended it to you. So he thinks that technically yeah. he won. But and he this, didn't. Because I wanted to watch it. Guys. I wanted to watch it as soon as I saw the first trailer for it. I just I, hadn't watched it yet, so... I still haven't seen a trailer for it, and I highly recommend everybody watch it. Exactly. So, whatever. 
Hey, if that makes you sleep better for pissing off people about Dead Man, then I guess you can have this win. Are you bowling, Noah? No. Am I making a bunch of noise? <laughs> there was some... Oh, I mean, the greatest thing ever. He was so forward that he just started bowling in the middle of the podcast. I'm sick of this Dead Man talk. I'm just going to start bowling. There was a weird, like, thump, and, and it sounded... pins. <laughs> there was a weird thump, but it sounded like a ball traveling down the lane. It sounded right. like bowling. It was, it was probably... I have my keyboard sit in my lap, and I shake my leg. I was probably banging that. Uh, I don't know. It was funny, though. Um, so we also got a second piece of feedback this week, which is crazy. Um, before the show started, our good friend Brian sent us a very long email, um, which Doug is going to hate <laughs> half of it. Um, so, hey, guys, glad you finally got around to I'm going to get you sucker and Black Dynamite. And my predictions are that you all loved both movies, especially Doug, because Doug always loves Noah's movie picks. When did this, <laughs> when did this email come in? Literally three hours ago. Yeah. Brian's having a little fun with you there because he knew that I did not already enjoy both movies by the time he <laughs> sent this email. Very clever. Oh, really? Clever. Did you post about it on the IG? On, uh, I forget where. I don't know, but somewhere in social media world, he said right. he was gonna he was gonna use a katana to kill one of us if we didn't immediately enjoy the movies. And I told him to go sharp with his katana. Not gonna go to what's great about these movies because I'm sure you already did, but I will say, why isn't Michael J. White in more stuff? He's so good. Uh, I will agree with that. I do love Michael J. White. It is a good question. He, uh, I mean, he was in Dark Knight, which is awesome. He's actually in a deleted scene from Kill Bill Part 2, where he has a showdown with David Carradine, um, sort of like in a flashback when uh, he's taking Uma Thurman up to the uh, uh, martial arts guy for her training or whatever. He runs into him in the street, and they have kind of a kung fu battle, which is a lot of fun. That was cut out of the movie. It is every actor's dream to be in a deleted scene from a famous movie? So. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just kind of bummed that it wasn't in the movie because it's actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, he should be in more stuff. He was on uh, Arrow for a couple episodes, playing Bronze Tiger. Um, and he says, and you know what he's really good in? The Mortal Kombat Legacy web series, which I did not see. Either one yeah, of you watched it. I've seen part of it. I've never sat down and watched the whole thing. Oh, hey, that reminds me. Did you happen to see the rebooting Mortal Kombat and the trailer dropped today? Of course you did. And it looks to be exactly what a Mortal Kombat movie should be. Um, do either one of you watch the trailer? Yeah, it looks it looks violent and pointless and full of action, which means I will probably dig it. That sounds good. I haven't actually watched the trailer because two different people posted it on my Facebook timeline, or two friends posted it, and one was like, this looks <clears> great, <throat> and the other one was like, this is like, it sucks, and I'm like, I don't want to be in this debate right now, so I'm just going to not watch it. <laughs> 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 so just, to, avoid, to avoid conflict, I'm just not going to do what, what of, both of you are telling me to do. Of the hundreds of people on my Facebook friends list, two of them don't agree, and therefore I'm just staying away from it. That's what happened, yes. 
the entire trailer appears to be a random set of two people fighting in a random place, which that's that's all I need. That's Mortal Kombat. That's correct. That's the correct answer to what a Mortal Kombat movie should be. Sub-Zero's freezing stuff. For some reason, Scorpion is a middle-aged Asian guy instead of a creepy skeleton demon guy. That's a little weird. It's fine. It'll all work itself out. Detailed plot points to make sure that all makes sense. Raiden Raiden is actually Asian in this movie? Probably a good call. Mm -hmm. Feels like a sellout. Get woke, go broke, you know what I'm saying? Mm. But the actual, like, Mortal Kombat theme is not in the movie. They do, like, an instrumental version of the music, but... Come on, you need that techno screaming dude. Mortal Kombat! Yeah. Well, is it possible that it's just not in the trailer because they're saving it for theaters? Maybe. But I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's something weird about it that it's just not hitting for me, but... Maybe I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it. I don't know. Like I said, I think it looks it looks violent and dumb, and I think it, that'll be that'll be great. It does look violent because it's R rated, which I am right happy with. And it looks like they'll actually do like fatalities and stuff in this, which is interesting. Uh, so Brian continues. So in celebration, Brian, I think this calls for some fat Mortal Kombat techno beats you got on your little soundboard over there. Well. I don't have my soundboard hooked up, so <laughs> this, is a, this is a disappointment. Mono combat. <laughs> there we go. There we faked it. That'll have to do. And now I'm gonna isolate that and use that on my soundboard. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I moved the soundboard upstairs because me and Amanda use it for our podcast every Wednesday. And I stopped wanting to carry it up and down stairs every every other day, so I just left it upstairs. I'm Sorry, not Brian. saying you're a huge nerd or anything, but you record different podcasts in different rooms. You have a system for this. Well, Amanda's got really bad got a really bad back. She has nerve damage in her leg, so she does not like coming down into the basement because that's a lot of stairs to walk down. Um, and so we just do the podcast upstairs at the kitchen table. And then when I do this podcast, usually she's watching TV. So I have to come down to the basement. Well, I guess you so. have a very logical reason in my joke. No yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm like, no, we cannot do the midnight drive in in the living room. That has to be in the basement where the midnight drive in should be. Yeah. Is that better? Uh, he says, going back a couple episodes for Innocent Blood, you brought up Luis Guzman and how funny he usually is, and I agree. He's great. Uh, well, I got a movie he's in that he's not so funny, and that's The Salt and Sea. Just wanted to throw this out as a recommendation if you haven't seen it. It stars... Val Killer. I'm thinking that's supposed to be Val Kilmer, but Val Killer is a pretty awesome name. Uh, if you're Val, Vincent, Vincent D'Onofrio, Doug it's, Hutchinson. It's, it's Pooh Bear. Vincent D'Onofrio is Pooh Bear. Uh, and a b- bunch of other great actors, including Anthony LaPaglia, who was also in Innocent Bloods. So I like to call him Tony Pogs. Um, 
This is a great noir film, and I won't say much because it's got a lot going for it. Best to go in blind. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Would you call it noir? I've never seen it, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I remember the movie coming out and walking by it on, like, DVD shelves back in the day. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what I would call it. And Andy's right. You, you should probably go into that movie blind. So I don't know what to say. So that that movie, I'm familiar with it. So my sophomore year in college, I worked at a Hollywood video and I kind of made it my life's work to watch every film in the entire Hollywood video catalog <laughs> because we got free rentals. I could take like five free movies at all times. And that was just a random one I grabbed off the shelf because I saw Val Kilmer's name and I liked the cover art. And I do. I fucking love that movie. I think for a while it was probably my favorite. Movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, Doug will hate it. I don't, uh, I don't think so. I don't know. You guys, you guys should really watch that one because it's not I don't know. It's it's not the type of film I would normally be recommending to people. It's a. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a quality film with <laughs> with actual cinematic merits if that makes sense mm-hmm. but but i i once again i have a hard time giving you guys reasons to watch it without spoiling the film yeah well, i'll probably watch it someday you should yeah, we'll see um he says lastly i'm loving your wandavision discussions but we never got to hear your thoughts on the last couple episodes of the mandalorian since that was around the holidays so then he asked a couple questions that may be spoiler, but I feel like the internet has ruined any of these spoilers, so I don't know. So, spoiler alert? Question spoiler mark? alert for the Mandalorian, but we're not the ones spoiling it, Brian is, so don't get mad exactly. at us. <laughs> yeah. skip, skip significantly forward if you're worried about it. Um. So he says, what did you think of CGI Luke? How about Mando getting a sweet team of tough chicks? Well, let's answer those first. What did you think of CGI Luke? I think that that CGI de-aging people is is still has some uncanny valley issues that makes them look creepy. Yeah. But just seeing Skywalker was awesome. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. And I think for me, it's like I like I like seeing Leia at the end of Rogue One. I like seeing Luke here. I don't, I don't want to see them do a series of with characters like that. You know, a couple of minutes here and there. That's fine. I enjoy it. Yeah. Just a, a one scene. Well, it's weird so. that like Hollywood is doing is doing these CGI recreations, and then they'll come out, and then people are like, "Oh, that's terrible." And then some internet person will do like a deep fake video with with like a better version of the person's face, and it sometimes looks better and I don't know why but I mean I don't know that is it looked good enough like that's what I would say is that if we're talking about just the appearance of it it's like it looked good enough to make me happy that it was Luke Skywalker I know there's talk of people wanting like a whole series of him and I'm like I don't really want that I don't want to look at that for a whole series and I hate the idea of recasting him so no, get uh, Sebastian Stan if you're going to do that. Shouldn't yeah, do it yeah. in general, but no. don't don't recast Luke Skywalker. Never, ever, ever recast Luke Skywalker. It's just it's a mistake. It's just don't do it. 
then he says, how about Mando getting a sweet team of tough chicks to fuck up Moff Gideon and his bitch-ass stormtroopers? Yeah, that was all right. Yeah, I, I will say, like, because I know he references when you, if you were to read the rest of the email, he talks about my opinions on uh, Endgame. Um, so apparently, I, I shouted those loud enough to leave an impression. But uh, <laughs> no, like, like this is it, it, honestly when I was watching Mandalorian, did I stop and think about the fact that it was a team of chicks getting together? No, I didn't. It was just the characters he'd met throughout the season getting together, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how it should work, right? If you're doing yeah. it well, that's how it works. And then it's after the fact, if somebody says, hey, those were all chicks, you're like, oh, yeah, good point. So I guess yeah. that means they did it well. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, he says, I know Doug has said, and I agree that the female superhero girl power team up at the end of Endgame felt off, very forced. This, however, was organic and just fit right. I applaud the writers for how that was handled. Okay. Yeah, sounds like we all kind of agree on that. Which is less fun because nobody's yelling at each other, but... <laughs> uh, that's it for now. As always, love the show. Keep it up. And stay safe and healthy. Thanks, Brian. You don't want to tell him he's not the boss of you, and you don't have to be healthy that's if you don't want to be. <laughs> yeah, you're not the boss. I mean, I can do whatever I want. Thanks, somebody else off. Brian. Um, all right, so anybody watch anything? Watch no? so much fucking stuff. So did I. This is going to be a long episode. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll try not to drag this down, but man, I don't know what happened, but I actually, <laughs> for so long, I haven't been watching anything, and now all of a sudden, I was like, I'm going to watch all the things. Uh, so, I watched Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla uh, yeah. for for the project that I'm working on with uh, my previous co-host from my other podcast. Uh, so I won't go into detail on that other than to say it's Godzilla fighting a giant robot Godzilla. So it's pretty dope. That's that's yeah. where we're at on that. You set uh, yourself up for what people th- are going to think is the uh, Mecha Godzilla for the new Godzilla vs. Kong it, movie? It, 100%. Yeah. Uh, and then, because I was I got all kaiju-y and was in a kaiju mood, I, I watched a bunch more kaiju movies. So I watched the original uh, Gojira uh, in in the mm-hmm. the purely Japanese version, which I don't think I'd ever actually watched before. I think I've always watched the American version, which has oh, some, yeah. some scenes edited differently and stuff. Man, it's so Japanese version way better. Oh my god, it's so fucking good. Every, every yeah. time I, I and I think I forget how good it is. Every yeah, because your your brain thinks of Godzilla as these like cheesy monster movies, and then you watch the first one, and you're like, oh wait, no wait, it's really fucking good. It's an actual good movie. Yeah, it was like it's it's this art house giant monster movie that is beautiful and brilliant and amazing and ever, everybody should see it and uh, you guys will see it when we do Kai July this year oh, wow yeah. uh, yep <laughs> you may not remember you did but you did uh, so then after that I watched uh, Destroy All Monsters which mm-hmm. is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum from the original. <laughs> it's the original is like very serious and very well put together and destroy all monsters more like, hee hee hee, look at all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but it's 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 great for what it is. I mean, it's it's basically shot like uh, in, in that particular one is the uh, the English edit of it, obviously. But the whole thing's done like a documentary that it starts off like a nature documentary talking about the island where all these monsters live. It's it's really weird. And then, of course, super fun. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah. And then all the monsters escape. There's a bunch of nonsense. They have to build a contraption to get the monsters back on the island and all that kind of stuff. It's very fun. It's its own weird, wacky thing. Uh, it is one of the Godzilla movies that has Son of Godzilla in it, in which if you've never seen a movie with Son of Godzilla in it, I will tell you that, uh, god damn it, that that thing is horrible. It's a horrible fucking, it's horrible face. It's awful. It's got, <laughs> it's Son of Godzilla has Klaus Kinski face. It's just creepy and weird and abnormal. I don't know whoever thought that was a good idea, but they, they, should, they should not. They should not do that. And then uh, I watched Aquaman, finally. Yeah? Since it's been out for a bajillion years. Still haven't seen it. Yeah, me neither. Uh, so I was not as impressed with it as everyone else was. I think he's still just shitty bro Aquaman. Which yeah. I have no fucking... From a comic book... Uh, person, I have no interest in seeing that. And from a movie perspective person, it's almost all like shitty Michael Bay spectacle CGI, which I also don't give a fuck about. I don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> like, I can give a fuck about it if it's like Marvel level they had a team of 5 million people made this CGI look as good as CGI can look on television. You know what I mean? But that's not what this is. Like, this is weird CGI'd hair floating in water. Yeah. I still say the best version of Aquaman is from uh, Batman Brave and the Bold. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Which is weird, because he's, he's also shitty 90s Aquaman, who's one of the worst Aquamans. So they took the worst Aquaman and made him into the best Aquaman. Why is that shitty 90s Aquaman? Because he's he's long-haired, uh, uh, I, I don't know how to describe him, overly muscular sea biker Aquaman. From Batman Brave and the Bold? Yeah. Are you thinking of the same Aquaman? He didn't have long hair in that show. Maybe maybe I'm confusing myself. But I could have sworn it's long-haired Aquaman. No. <laughs> it's the orange, orange chainmail uh suited up Aquaman with a beard. And he says stuff like outrageous. Yeah, he's got the beard. He doesn't have the long hair and the beard. Oh. Weird. We're gonna get through the show as quick as we can this week because we got yeah. a lot to talk about. Now here's a ten minute <laughs> debate about Aquaman's hair. And now now like I'm sure Brian's right and I'm wrong. Uh yeah. So, so there's that. Uh, I I thought I thought they did Black Manta pretty well. Like he looks right, and he's pretty oh, cool. Yeah. And and that's it. So so it's not very good. Like most DC stuff, it's just not. <laughs> kind of they just shit the bed. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens when this Snyder Cut comes out. I'm, I'm gonna watch it. it to, I'm gonna watch it. I'm not expecting it to be good. Yeah, did I mention I got HBO Max? I figured that out when you were posting about Doom Patrol. Yeah, there was about so, so it got to the point where there was about ten things I wanted to see that were all on HBO Max. So I canceled one of my other things and got HBO Max. Yeah. Uh. So then after that, I watched Gamera with two M's. Two M's. <laughs> which is very important. Yeah. Single M Gamera good. Two M Gamera bad. Uh, which is the <laughs> American you... edit version of it. And yeah. I actually even watched the Riff Tracks version of it because I was kind of in that mood. And one of the jokes they make at the very beginning of the movie is they're like, you misspelled my fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I uh, we showed at one of our Drunken Zombie Deadly Double Features. We showed one of the Gamera movies. Nice. But Dave, because uh, I think one of them is weirdly in public domain. But I think one of the super early ones. But I don't. It's, pro- it's probably. I don't know. It's probably that one. Probably two M Gamera. Yeah, we we had no idea. Uh, but. We thought Dave had misspelled Gamera because we couldn't figure out what the actual spelling of it was, and now I just realize that's why. Yep. Yeah, there's two There's two spellings, depending on which movie you're talking about. Uh, in which it's a giant kaiju turtle with a rocket butt. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is delightful. <laughs> uh, un- unfortunately, 2M Gamera is also like the shitty... American knockoff of shitty Japanese knockoff of Godzilla. <laughs> it's a double knockoff. Gamera ended up being badass all on its own, and like that that character's gone on to have a pretty great career in film. But uh, did you ever fight Godzilla? I don't think so. I don't think that's ever actually happened because they were yeah. owned by two different companies. Mm. Most of the versus things have all been uh, Toho. Yeah, I just didn't know if they had absorbed stuff somehow. Yeah, I think there is. I think there's a fake Gamera that he fights, mm. much much in the same way that like it's a fake Kong that he fights. <laughs> uh, so I watched all that. Then I started watching a bunch of TV series. So I, I started rewatching Barry with Char. Yeah which is the Bill Hader one where he's an assassin that decides he wants to be an actor. Betty, bro. <laughs> In which I've only ever seen the first two episodes. Yeah. And, and so now I'm finally getting to sit down. And so now I'm five or six episodes in and yeah, it's really good. And it just keeps getting better. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I'll, I'll let you guys know more once I get through it all, but, but it's doing pretty good. Yeah, I uh, love Barry. I started Doom Patrol, in which I'm only on, like, episode five or six of Doom Patrol, Mm -hmm. because I'm enjoying it so much that I need to, like, watch it on the big TV, and I need to not have any distractions while I'm watching it, because I want to be able to enjoy it. Yeah, space it out. Yeah, and in in order to get that is difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's always something going on or Char's in the living room and it can be a little bit violent and she doesn't like violent stuff and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Amanda loves Doom Patrol. Like, I love it too. I think it's great. Oh, it's fantastic. These 
This they, is one. This is one that I was worried that we would watch it, and she'd be like, "This is weird," and not really want to watch it anymore. But she loves it. They're embracing of the weirdness yeah. of those characters in that comic book series just sets it off. I mean, it's like I don't really have many complaints about it. Mm. And and the further into it I get, the more I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I did think it was weird. So the other thing I watched, I'm on s- season two of Titans. Yeah. Because that I enjoy slightly less than Doom Patrol, so I don't mind watching it on my phone. Uh, well, but what do you think? What do you think, though? I'm I was surprisingly into it, which I didn't think I would be. So I was. I it, it's kind of it like catches me and loses me at times, mm-hmm. and and then I every time I start to want to get mad at it, it like does something. I'm like, oh, I, okay, I fucking love this. Like, I wasn't a big fan of how it treated Dick Grayson. I don't. I, I was like, why are they making Dick Grayson behave like Jason Todd? Yeah. And then finally they brought, you know, you get to the spoilers. You get to the certain point and the other Robin shows up and it's Jason Todd. And I was like, what? But they've already got Dick acting like Jason Todd. <laughs> what the f- what the fuck is the point of having two Jason Todds? Like that's fucking weird. And then whenever you first meet him, he's kind of acting like Tim Drake. And I was like, now nah, I'm even more confused. Jason Todd's acting like Tim Drake. <laughs> Dick Grace is acting like Jason Todd. This is too. They they've got all they've shuffled the Robins on me, and I don't know what the fuck is going on. Well, uh, no, he he becomes very Jason Todd. So don't worry. Yeah. I was going to say, I I also had a problem in which we'll get to this in a second, but the first season is dark in in every way imaginable. So so it is both dark in content and it's also too fucking dark. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't understand how something not made by Zack Snyder could be that hard to fucking watch. <laughs> yeah like I've got it playing on my phone and I've got the, the backlight on my phone turned up to like blaring surface of the sun and you can still barely tell what the fuck is going on because it's so dark uh, half the time that might be a good uh, a good reasoning to not watch it on your phone right because I don't remember having it is it is dark but I don't remember having problems seeing it uh, on the TV but yeah uh, so then, you know, everybody's got their problems. Some, I get it. Fat Kid's got his problems with it, too. You know, he doesn't like the fact that Starfire isn't orange and Beast Boy isn't green. Sure. And I get that complaint, because I kind of have it, too. But I get that they were going with a budget thing, and they just didn't want to have to paint them for every fucking scene. Yeah. Which is fine. So you, so you, give, the guy, you give the guy green hair, and you give her purple hair, and you just kind of... Right, right, and when they power up, their colors change. I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm all right. I'm all right with it. I can, I can live with it. And we were, uh, me and Fat Kid were actually talking as I was watching it because he was like, "Well, it's weird that they put Beast Boy in Titans instead of putting him in Doom Patrol." And I was like, "That is a little weird that he didn't start on one and go to the other." And then you right. get to that episode, and I was like, oh, well, god damn it. Now now I'm back in again. Like, <laughs> probably right back in. But Although, then it's a, it's a different Doom Patrol. 
sort of. Well, but all know. the actors are the same, except for uh, the guy who plays the chief. For Timothy Dalton, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they have they have acknowledged that they take place on two separate uh, Earths. Okay. So, so that's why that's sort of their little mini explanation. Yeah, it almost feels not, like a, they don't exactly line up. Yeah, it's like a backdoor pilot. Yeah. It's really weird. Totally, it's totally what it was. Yeah. But then when they they did the crisis event and they showed all the Earths at the end, it labeled them on different ones. So. Yeah, and then so it keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps going, and once again, it's all grim dark, and it, it, the whole first season's revolving around Trigon and Raven and all that, which is, yeah. I, I, I suppose, to be expected. But yeah, it's, all, it's sort of, it's sort of the young adult way to get into the show, I guess. Right, it's almost too much at times, but then, man, season one, episode two, or of. Uh, Season one of or bah, episode one of season two. That's the fucking phrase I was trying to say. <laughs> comes in and God damn it, they improved it so much. Mm-hmm. Just just in that one episode, like they they kind of tied up season one finally, and then they're like, okay, everything is going to be a little bit brighter. All these characters are going to be a little bit more who the character is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And and then there's this uh, I don't I don't even know how to describe it I don't know there's like a tonal shift that happens mm-hmm. almost immediately like they resolve the the Trigon thing and then they're like okay well but now this is what's happening you know what I mean and I don't it's it's fucking great See, season two's really got me I was like all right yeah. this is so much better like they <laughs> although they retconned did you notice that there's a huge retcon at the beginning of season two. Honestly, it's been so long since I watched them that... Yeah, so all of the sudden, they start saying Titans to each other. Oh, you were a Titan, you were a Titan, even though they've never once mentioned it. Same characters all of season one. And now they've established, oh, oh yeah, the the Titans were already a team. That was a thing that happened in the past, and we just neglected to mention it for an entire season of the show. Oh, that's the way I always took it. I never question of that that they used to be a team but they had all split up and never right never i was gonna say in the in the first season it's the whole thing where they're just insinuating that they're all friends that knew each other yeah i don't know I don't but they say titans 35 times in that episode sure trying to convince you that they've been saying it the entire time <laughs> um i remember being a big fan of the hawk and dove stuff uh yeah no ha- ha- that a bunch of it really got me good. So I was like, okay, well they're going with the, uh, the couple version of Hawk and Dove instead of the 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 brother or sister team. Yeah. Yeah. The two, the two guy version. And then whatever, you know, you get further in and then they're like, Oh, that happened too. And you're like, Ooh, it happened too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you clever bastards. I'm I'm back in again. Like, Like I said, that's what they kept doing. I kept, hitting a certain point and being like, okay, I just, I don't care about angry Dick Grayson. I just don't fucking care anymore. I I get it. He's, he's a bitchy little bitch boy in this whole fucking season is about how his panties are all in a twitch because he's a bitchy little bitch boy. But yeah, but yeah, every time they get away from that, it gets good. Season two, they kind of, they're going to resolve some of that, I think in the upcoming episodes for you. So, well, they did it almost immediately. 
I mean, once again, season the start of season two, all of a sudden he's like, okay, no, I'm I'm going to be like the more carefree Dick Grayson. Let's all pile in the van and go to our new secret layer that we actually already had this entire time. I just neglected to mention it yet again. <laughs> well, because he was trying not to use Batman's resources. Right. Yeah. Um, good thing is they are uh, bringing Tim Drake in for season three. Really? So, yeah. Because I believe Jason Todd's transitioning to to Red Hood, but they're not. I don't. They're not doing the whole Red Hood story. So I, that could I be that could be a, terrible in itself. But I don't. I don't know see. how you don't how you resolve that without the Joker beating him to death. Right. I, mean, I don't know. Because that's kind of you know it's it's a a divisive moment in the comics, but that character kind of loses out on a ton of what makes him him without that happening. But I don't know. I like it. Uh, like I said, I, I I think Doom Patrol is the superior. I completely 100% agree with that. Yeah, the characters are more interesting. The the way it flows is more interesting. And a bunch of, like, I, I hate using the word inspired, but it's inspired a lot of the stuff. Casting Alan Tudyk is Mr. Nobody. Fantastic. And then having him narrate the first two episodes yeah. was was fucking brilliant. Completely like meta way. Yeah, where he knows. Well, especially TV show. especially the second episode where he's doing the recap of the previous episode and it bleeds into the episode starting. <laughs> I, yeah. I, it just it fucking it really threw me for a loop. I was like, holy shit, they fucking. They kind of just pulled out all the stops. And then by the time you get to like uh, where they're fighting Lederhosen Nazis, <laughs> you're just like, no, I'm in for the ride. Go go ahead. I don't give a shit. What's what's the next weird thing we're going to do? Have you gotten to the uh, Danny of the Street episode yet? I, I have not. Okay. Well, it's coming because I'm sure you know who Danny, Danny the Street is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I told I've told people. I'm just like, well, I can pretty much guarantee you before you watch a Doom Patrol that you would never miss a character that is a sentient street. But man, when season two of Doom Patrol starts, you're like, man, when's Danny the Street coming back? Because <laughs> you end up loving that character and you want to see more of them. And I'm like, I guarantee you that's something you never thought you would ever want. I was going to say, me, me and uh, Evan have pretty much been talking, non- just texting each other back and forth, because I got him watching it, too. And uh, we just keep talking about characters we want to see pop up. And I think our our big number one right now is Detective Chimp. I would fucking love for Detective Chimp <laughs> to pop up in an episode. Because yeah. he's, he's the type of weird nonsense character that would just fit right into this shit. Yeah, that's so good. But I think that's it. I think that's all the five million things I watched this week. What did you watch, Doug? Uh, less than five million things, you'll be happy to know. That's good. Uh, first thing I checked out was uh, Becky, which I think you have seen, right, Brian? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, no one told me it was Home Alone Meets I Spit on Your Grave. <laughs> so I was pretty happy with the way it played out. I was. I think I called it Home Alone meets 
something, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah, but I mean, maybe I just didn't listen when you talked. That's also possible. But it's very uh, possible. When uh, yeah, when that little girl started setting traps for these guys in the woods, and I'm like, that's awesome. I've really enjoyed that. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I mean, we've. I'm, everybody, I'm sure, knows the basic story, which is that the guy from Community has grown up and now has a a teenage daughter, and she is in the woods when he's taken kidnapped and she's fighting back against the kidnappers. So, um, yeah, lots of blood, lots of gore, direct references to I spit on your grave and hostile and probably other things that I didn't pick up on because <laughs> I wasn't looking for the direct references until those things happened. And I'm like, holy shit, they're doing this on purpose. They must be. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Bloody, gory, the, the one torture scene is pretty intense, I would say. Lots of violence. So, if you're into that sort of thing, which if you're still listening at this point in the podcast, you probably kind of are. <laughs> yeah, I loved that movie. I thought that was great. Yeah, the only complaint I have about it is the use of the Nazi imagery um, to try to make the bad guys look like even badder guys. And I'm just like, it's it's not done. How can I put the? How can I put this? I was a little annoyed that the Nazis weren't more upset about the fact that there's an interracial couple in the movie. Um, is that is that a thing you're allowed to complain about? I don't know how it works, but it's like it it highlighted the fact that they were just putting swastikas on guys to make them seem worse, rather than like they were already killing and torturing people. You don't need to make them seem worse. And it's just kind of lazy filmmaking to throw up a swastika on a guy to make him seem like a bad guy. And then, like I say, it's a little weird because there's that they kidnap an interracial couple and it takes a long time before that ever gets brought up. And I'm like, you'd think if they're really Nazis that that's going to come up right away. And if, if it's not coming up right away, then them being Nazis isn't a major part of their character and therefore maybe they shouldn't have a swastika on screen for most of the movie. Yeah. But it's, that's pretty nitpicky to be honest. Like it was well worth it to watch that girl. <laughs> Isn't there more Nazis? Well, I mean, I get it. Like you make them Nazis so that you can kill them and nobody's going to be sad to see him go, but they were horrible enough without the Nazis. <laughs> and then that girl like taped a bunch of pencils together and stabbed the shit out of a guy. So I'm like, all right, <laughs> stop complaining about the swastikas and just enjoy this. So yeah, yeah I'm very, very, very happy that I watched that one. Yeah, that's actually, really good. I think the the same directors did a movie called Cooties that was kind of half on my to watch list for a while there, and I think it's gonna make yeah. it to the top of my to watch list now. Me and Noah have both talked about Cooties on the show. Yeah, I probably didn't listen. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to watching more from these guys because I like the way they did their gore and everything. So, um, I don't know not much else to say about it, I guess. Definitely recommend. Yeah, oh, huge recommend, yeah. Again, know what you're going in for. But it's, we, as horror fans, we've been saying for years we want a horror movie version of Home Alone. And yeah. this this is it. This is what it is, right? Like she's in the woods instead of stuck in the house, but it's the same thing. She's sort of doing like that middle part of First Blood, where he's just taking out all the cops while they chase him through the woods for half the movie. Uh, what else did I watch? Oh, after that, I watched um, a 
rewatch, which is the 2005 film Brick. Oh yeah. By uh, by Ryan Johnson there. I, I watched this specifically because I remembered liking it, and it, it was just like a day or two after we recorded the last episode, and I was like, man, we really badmouth pretentious art house crap. And then here's this movie I watched where the dialogue is all like lifted from a 50s noir movie, but they have it coming out of the mouths of teenagers in the early 2000s. Why do I remember liking that? <laughs> and I watched it, and I don't know what to tell you. It's pretentious art house crap, but I liked it still. <laughs> I'm, so, like, I'm like, so I, I, re- I remember enjoying it, so. Yeah, it is like, I mean, there's the performances are solid, there's an interesting little mystery there. But it is a typical noir film. You know, girl turns up dead. The boyfriend is trying to infiltrate local criminal gangs in order to find out who did it and get the story. And all that's going on. There's like the femme fatale character, but they're all high school kids in 2005. Mm -hmm. And they're speaking like they're from a gangster movie from the 50s. And it should be the kind of thing that pisses me off. Um, I don't understand why this movie didn't come out in the 90s, because that's when it should have come out. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. It ended up working for me. Part of it, I guess, is just uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the lead, and he's solid in it. He takes like Luke Skywalker levels of beatings throughout this movie. He's just constantly getting punched and kicked, and it's like he just keeps getting up, and you're like, alright, I'm starting to like this guy, even though he speaks very pretentious. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't explain why this pretentious art house was okay <laughs> and the stuff from last week was. So, <sighs> you're a hypocrite, Doug. I guess so. That's what happens. I don't know. Um, so then, opposite end of the spectrum from pretentious art house stuff from the 2000s. The next morning, I got up early and watched a movie called Hitchhike from 1977, I want to say, 78, which is uh, Franco Nero driving across California and picks up a hitchhiker played by David Hess, which, do you want to guess how that goes? Or I want to say not well. Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, David Hess turns out to be kind of a bad guy in this movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a full-on, like, you know, there's way too much rape and lots of violence and people get shot. There's a cool scene where a cop wearing one of those uh, motorcycle helmets that were popular on 70s and 80s TV shows, and he gets shot and his head blows up at the back of it. It's pretty cool looking. Uh, what surprised me was there's a lot of dialogue scenes and a lot of the sort of, like, cat and mouse stuff where they're just talking to each other and being dicks to each other. And that worked really well as well, um, which I was kind of like surprised because I was expecting all the exploitation stuff. I wasn't necessarily expecting that to work. But I guess, I mean, you do have quality actors in there. I just don't think of them as being quality actors. I think of them as being exploitation guys. So it's it's a recommend. I, the version I watched was subtitled, which is not necessarily the best way to watch an exploitation film. I almost recommend maybe trying to track down an English dub, but then I don't know if those dialogue scenes work as well, because it depends on who's doing the dubbing and how that works. So, um, It's kind of a gamble. 
yeah it, it really is because I don't even know like I don't even know if now that I'm thinking about it that's like does David Hess speak Italian or was he being dubbed in this movie that I watched? I don't know. That's because my eyes weren't on his lips. They were at the bottom of the screen reading the words. <laughs> he might speak Italian. Seems like that's some weird, you know, like, oh, yeah, David has super intelligence. Speaks like five languages. Yeah, that'd be about right. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I was at a horror convention once. David Hess was there. Uh, a friend of mine, for some reason, was like, oh, there's a really important basketball game on today so I'm going to go to the bar and watch it at the hotel bar I was like but we're at a horror convention there's tons of horror stuff to see and do why would you go watch a sports it sounds stupid well, so he sports so. I guess so he went and watched his basketball game or whatever and was sitting there talking to a guy about it like they were both watching it and then he didn't realize till later that that was David Hess Really? Yeah, there's he was sitting there watching a basketball game with David S. Didn't even realize it. That's pretty funny. And you didn't want to go to the bar and you missed meeting David Hess. I guess so. This is David Hess talking about basketball. Standing in line waiting for an autograph. Where the hell's this David Hess guy, man? <laughs> I don't know, we can't find him. Do you watch anything else? Uh yeah, I got some other stuff here. Um, I won't say much about it, but for some reason, like an idiot, I decided I would watch the 2004-2005 movie Godsend, starring Robert De Niro as a guy that clones a kid for Greg Kinnear and Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Wow. It fucking sucked. Um, <laughs> it's over there, probably. It's, it was, I don't know why I watched it. For some reason, I went, all oh, those are good actors. They'll probably be good in this early 2000s thriller horror movie oh. about cloning I, I I should have known better the kid in it was surprisingly good and creepy he was just wasted in a movie that wasn't good yeah. so that's not a recommend but when you rattle off like Robert De Niro and then you say the kid is the best actor in the movie it's that's sad he's surprisingly creepy and, and not the other, to be fair the other actors were fine but the atmosphere was terrible and the plot wasn't good, and the script wasn't good, and music wasn't good. I mean, it's it, the idea is all right. It's like basically the people's like this kid gets killed in a car accident, and Robert De Niro is this like doctor who approaches the parents and basically says like, "I can clone your kid for you, and like, like if you can get us like a piece of his hair or whatever before it degrades to a certain amount, we can get his DNA, we can clone his kid. You guys come live with in this." other town kind of cut off every your life and come live in this other town so we can monitor it and see how it goes and then things start to seem evil when uh, the kid hits the age where he would have died and there's all this back and forth about whether he's like his DNA is remembering the fact that it should have died at this age and stuff mm-hmm. but it's it, it sounds interesting but it's not when you're watching the movie <laughs> So, yeah, that's an interesting idea. A good filmmaker could really do something with that. <laughs> but apparently they didn't have one of those. It's mm, too bad. I rewatched Mikey after that because I'm like, I just want to see a good evil kid movie. So I rewatched <laughs> Mikey. I'm like, look at that guy shooting people with bows and arrows. 
Yeah. One of those let him be on Family Ties. Was there also that movie Joshua? I think. Is that Nicole Kidman, where she thinks it's like a reincarnation of her husband, dead husband. Uh, you're thinking of the movie Birth, I think. Maybe. Which I think Birth may have starred the same kid from Godsend, so tells you he was good at being a creepy kid in the early 2000s. Movie Joshua. There is a movie called Joshua that I have not seen. Let's see. 2007. The arrival of a newborn girl causes the gradual disintegration of the Cairn family, particularly for the nine-year-old Joshua, an eccentric boy whose proper upbringing and refined tastes both take a sinister turn. So no, that's not it at all. Good cast, though. Sam Rockwell, Vera Farmiga, Michael McKeon. Yeah, I've heard good things about that one. Just However, creep, yeah. creepy kid movie, and you watch it just based on reading the cast list. <laughs> that can backfire sometimes. For example, it backfired on me last week when I watched the movie Godson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What else you got? What else did I watch? After that, I watched, uh, this is another one I think you've seen, uh, Safety Not Guaranteed. Yeah. It's a little I, while ago. I haven't watched it in a while, but yeah, I I really liked this movie. Um, mm-hmm. So for people who haven't seen it, it's the concept is a group of, well, sorry, there's a guy who writes for a magazine and a couple of interns that he's working with get sent to do a story about a, like a newspaper ad where the guy's looking for somebody to go time traveling with him, which is based um, on a true story. I would assume inspired by a true story based on the way everything plays out. Um, But, which is funny because that's kind of also like how Tusk got made. So, (laughs) yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, basically, what they do is they send the one young intern girl in to basically answer the ad. And none of that really matters because all it's about is just these weird, quirky characters doing strange shit. But, it's Aubrey Plaza is the girl. Mark Duplass is the guy that thinks he can time travel. Jake Johnson is the reporter guy who it turns out he really took this story because he wanted to look up an old high school girlfriend who lived in the town where the ad came from, which is a f- weird little twist. And he has his own like separate character arc and plot line all surrounding the fact that when he gets there, the girl's not that hot, but then he kind of starts to like her again anyway. <laughs> and it's just, it's just likable characters doing weird shit on screen. Um, which makes... Which is fun. I don't know what to tell you other than that. Um, takes some weird twists at the end that I won't spoil because it doesn't really matter for your enjoyment of the film, but it might be more fun to watch the movie if you're not knowing where it's headed. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a big recommend if you're into sort of offbeat movies that are... I don't even know what to describe that. It's not really. Maybe it's a dramedy. Is this is this what the term dramedy means? I don't know. Yeah, but I feel so. like the the Duplass brothers' dramedy is very much built. Yeah. That. So. Yeah. I, I, I'm not really sure what else to say about it. You've seen it. What what else should I say about it? Uh, like you said, it's mainly just going on a trip, uh, metaphorical trip, I guess. Going. Going on uh, uh, a, uh, god damn it, why is the word not coming to my mind? You're just following along with these eccentric characters and just kind of going on a trip with them 
through this crazy, you know, set of circumstances and just trying to figure out, well, are they all crazy? Are they all, you know, serious or, yeah, don't know. Just have to see the movie and let it play out. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I don't think you said anything. No, I didn't say anything. anything more than what I said. Nope. But it's fine. Um, I think people have either either get it or don't by now. So it's a journey. That's what I was looking for. Journey. Yeah. That's the word. That's not that hard of a word. You should be no, able to figure it's that out. not. You're just going on a journey with these characters and just going through these weird circumstances and set of people they interact with. And yeah. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I mean, that, that's basically it. Yeah. It's you know it's because it, some of the comedy in it is like I don't know how to put it like it's. Like the Jake Johnson character is this like cool guy who's like able to get girls, but then the other intern that comes with them is very shy and doesn't really go out much. And then he has to teach him how to. And you're like, that sounds dumb, but because they're all likable characters, it's kind of fun to watch. And the movie's only like an hour 25 or something. So it's like, you don't get sick of it. it was, that's only one of four plot lines that are going on at that point. So, yeah. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. It feels like that was his way of telling us to move on. <laughs> How can I suddenly interrupt this shit? Uh, so the last thing I watched, because I signed up for Criterion Channel for a couple of weeks in order to get last week's movies in, <laughs> I feel like I had to watch something on there. Yeah, I so got I watched waste, <laughs> wasted your free trial on those two movies. Yeah. So I watched... Uh, 2012 thriller slash drama called Sun Don't Shine which is basically it's this couple driving pretty early on you realize that there's a dead body in the trunk of their car and they're trying to figure out how to get rid of it and yada 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 it turns out that's her husband in the trunk and they were kind of having an affair and he found out and they killed him and um, yeah, it's it gets it gets a little more complicated than that, but that's basically what it is. And the whole movie is pretty much these two characters going back and forth trying to figure out how to deal with this fucked up situation they're in. Um, they're from Florida, so that's the kind of people we're dealing with. Um, they act very much like stereotypical people from Florida, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'll say, but it, it was very intense very dark the characters were weird but not in that fun quirky way like the last movie I talked about there were some combination of stupid and crazy and uh, it turns out they don't really know how to get rid of a dead body which I find nice to know that people who murder don't know how to get rid of a nice body so it's kind of technically a happy ending when they don't know how to do it Um, but yeah it was it was all right if uh, people are into that. It's very slow. It's very dark. It's, uh, it's mostly a drama film, I would say. And there's virtually no kind of action to it. Um, nothing really funny happens in the whole movie, which is weird to see like a whole movie without jokes in it. But every now and again, people decide to be very serious about life. And uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm recommending it or not recommending it. I would 
Mm-hmm. It's one of those ones where I'm like, oh, I'd, I'd recommend it, but probably not to the people who listen to this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a movie that belongs on the Criterion channel. Yeah, exactly. And so, I don't know what happened is like I literally had like, I wanted to use Criterion channel more. So I had a buddy coming over and I'm like, he doesn't have a job right now. So I'm like, well, you have all day. Like, Google Criterion channel and find us something to watch. And he came over with like a short list and this was the only one on it that I hadn't seen. So Nice. Uh, that's it? That is it, yeah. Alright. Um, well, I'm... Last year, a friend of mine started this Facebook group and the idea is for the month of February... Uh, to watch 26 movies that you've never seen before, one for each letter of the alphabet, and they call it February. Um, and I'd been a little behind, so I think I tried to catch up some over the last week. So I watched a shit ton of stuff. Also helped, I was having trouble sleeping, so I would just wake up at 3 in the morning and just watch a movie. Because why not? Yeah. Uh... So let's see. Uh, I caught up with the new reboot version of The Grudge, and okay. I never really got into the American. Well, I never really got into the Japanese ones either, but never got into the American uh, versions of The Grudge. Like the first, like I watched the first one and was like, okay, like it's fine. I'm not like excited by it or anything. So I never went to check out the other ones. Uh, so I'm like, well, Lynn Shea's in this one, and, you know, they're rebooting it, so maybe. But I wasn't, like, you know, clamoring to see it. So I watched it. Turns out it's not even a reboot. It's a pseudo-sequel to, like, the second one, but indirectly. So it makes sense, I guess. I don't know. Um, still not. Still did not really enjoy it. I, was, I, gave, I did a review on Letterboxd, and it's... It's uh, someone someone walks into the room, they stop, they say, hello? Silence for about five seconds, and then a ghost jumps in front of their face, and then they both scream at each other. That happens like 50 times in this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just like... Juon is worth a watch. Yeah. And the rest of it's hot garbage, and it's not really worth watching. Yeah. So... Was not a fan. Did not enjoy. Uh, followed that up with Mega Time Squad, which is a New Zealand movie. That sounds delightful. Uh, I think, no, I think this one would be right up your alley. It, it sounds like it. Uh, so, this, uh, I don't know if I'd call him like a street punk, but he's got like nothing going on. Um, he's working for necessarily a gangster but just a guy who run, kind of runs stuff in town who's played by the third guy from the What We Do in the Shadows movie not Tyke not Jermaine Clement okay the, the other guy yep um, and so he's kind of like a runner for this guy but decides with his friend like we should 
uh, kind of screw him over and steal some money that's being delivered to this pawn, like Chinese pawn shop. So they buy some masks. They wait till the guy delivers the money and then they run in with a gun that uh, isn't loaded. But they go in, and, you know, turn the gun on the Chinese guy behind the counter, uh, get the thing the money was delivered in. And he sees his bracelet and he just grabs it. And the Chinese guy's like, oh, no, 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 no. You definitely do not want to take that. And the guy's like, oh, I'm going to take it. And the Chinese guy's like, all right, I just know this. You're going to end up bringing it back. And so then they run run out of there. But it turns out somebody tipped them off so that they get beat up and uh, the money taken away. But he's still wearing this bracelet. And he sees, like, the end of it starts glowing green at some point. So he pushes, like, this little button. And then he goes back in time. Like, I don't know, five minutes. And then from where he's standing, he can see, like, his past self, like, still interacting with these guys who are beating him up. And so he's like, okay, well, this is weird. And he stops, he starts realizing that every time he goes back, there's, like, another version of himself. So he just goes back like five times throughout the course of this movie and basically just gathers up a gang of himself to fight to fight this uh, guy from what we do in the shadows and try to steal the money back. But he's been warned that, you know, if you mess with time too much, like some demon will come and start killing everybody to correct the timeline. So, of course, some weird shit starts happening and uh, versions of himself start getting picked off one by one all the while still fighting with this mob or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. There is a couple parts where it drags a little bit, but yeah, the whole thing's played out for laughs. So, so no, it, it would be a high recommend for you for sure. Yeah. It sounds good. <laughs> yeah. They do just funny shit with time travel. And like, there's one where he's like, uh, all right, well, I, I know that I need to go back in time like half an hour or whatever. I don't know how he determines how far back he goes, but for whatever plot points, they just do whatever. And he goes into the bathroom so nobody will see him time travel. And so he's standing in a stall and he hits the button. And when he travels back like half an hour, there's a dude sitting there on the toilet and he like freaks out. And then he's just like, oh, like starts almost like vomiting because it smells so bad in there. So... I don't know. Highly entertaining. It's it's made with real bits of New Zealand, so you know it's good. Exactly. Uh, then I watched Rock and Roll High School from nineteen seventy nine. Rock and Roll High School. That's, that's exactly it. Uh, I was like, you know what? I just need some weird, kitschy sort of thing from like the eighties, seventies, or eighties to watch. And I'm like, hey, it's a Roger Corman film. This will totally work. Uh, so this high school that is just. I don't know. I guess you could say it's just overrun with students who do whatever they want. Um, gets a new principal, and she hates rock and roll music and thinks it's the bane of all existence. What? I couldn't have seen that coming. <laughs> what a so, shocking twist. So PJ Souls uh, really wants to go to the Ramones concert that's coming to town. So she skips school for like three days to wait in line. And uh, her friend... Her friend uh, t- keeps taking the principal a note. The first one's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm not at school. My f- my mom passed away or whatever. And then the second day, she got another note that said, I'm really sorry. I'm not at school. 
my father also passed away. It just keeps like playing up shit like that. So she figures it out, and then uh, PJ Souls is buying tickets for like everybody at the school. Like they all gave her money. So when she does come back to school, the principal, who's played by Mary Warnoff, who's in a lot of Corman stuff, she's in the she has a little cameo in Chopping Mall, just to have an excuse to bring up Chopping Mall. Uh, she steals it. She takes her tickets as part of her punishment and then donates them to charity. So PJ Souls is really sad because she's going to miss seeing the Ramones, which is her favorite band. And she thinks if they read some of her songs that she writes, that they would, they would want her to write songs for them. It's like her lifelong dream and uh, hijinks ensue and, you know, typical teen comedy stuff. Um, at the end, they blow the school up, which was a lot of fun. Uh, the Ramones are in it. They play themselves. Uh, sometimes it's a little awkward, but whatever. They're definitely uh, not actors. No. They shouldn't have to act that much if they're behaving, playing themselves. Yeah, you'd, you'd think that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of them had his, his lines cut down from seven to two. Because he's such a horrible actor. They're like, well, you obviously can't do all this. So we're just going to have you say, hey, pizza. And then the second line will be, hey, pizza, dig on in. And that's it. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's you know, it's. I feel like it's like a response to Grease, but a lot more fun than Grease. Not quite as many songs as like uh, musical numbers is Greece, but there are a couple. But it's the Ramones doing it, so yeah, I don't know. It feels I'm like ju- if it's the Ramones, that it'd be a little easier to deal with. Yeah, it's a, li- a little bit more fun. So, uh, so I enjoyed it. Like I said, just Roger Corman weirdness trying to cash in on something else, but ends up making a movie that's actually kind of fun. So, so worth a watch if you're interested in that kind of stuff. Clint Howard's in it, if you're a Clint Howard completist. He plays the guy at the school who has, like, an office in the boys' bathroom. So everybody always comes to him when they need something, and he figures it out for them. Um, Following that, apparently I was in a musical mood. Um, Oh, it was Valentine's Day, that's why. Uh, Me and Amanda watched Yesterday, the Danny Boyle movie, where the musician guy has something happen to him, and when he wakes up... The entire world has no idea who the Beatles are. He's the only one. So he starts just recording all of their songs. It becomes like one of the most famous people on Earth because of it. Seems dishonest to me. Yeah, there is a question of that throughout the throughout the movie. But I mean, I would do it too. But (laughs) yeah, so he, uh, you know, he doesn't even realize what's going on, and then. He's at like a little get together and just picks up an acoustic guitar and sings like yesterday or something. The you know, the main title of the movie. And everybody's like, That song's amazing. Did you write that yourself? And he's like, No. It's the Beatles. And everybody's like, Who the fuck are the Beatles? So yeah, then he does like a Google search and finds out, oh shit. The Beatles never existed now for some reason. Um, so I don't know, it's just fun. It's just kind of Showing this weird alternate universe, of course. 
before whatever accident he had, there was a girl that he didn't really think too much of as like a romantic partner. But after all this, he kind of sees that being a, you know, super famous musician that, uh, it doesn't have everything that he wanted, even though he thought that's what he wanted. You know how it goes. It's one of those stories. It's, it's pretty predictable, but I don't know. It's just kind of fun and it's full of Beatles music. So if you're a Beatles fan, it's, uh, interesting to listen to. Uh, then after that, we were just looking for something funny to watch. And I don't know if we, if we, uh, accomplished that, but we watched the movie buddy games. I've never heard of that. So it came out this year or last year, I guess, 2020. Um, so it's almost like an Adam Sandler movie. If Adam Sandler had absolutely no- nothing to do with it, Sounds which a bit of an improvement. Well, I don't know. Um, so you have like Josh Duhamel, uh, so James Roday, who's on that TV show Psych, uh, Kevin Dillon, Zach Shepard, Nick Swardson, um, another one of those sort of bald actor guys that you have seen in everything, but you have no idea what his name is. Okay. So it's also the cast from an Adam Sandler movie <laughs> okay. without Adam Sandler. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's pretty close. Um, these guys sound like they're funny guys though. They are. I mean, you know, they, I feel like they knew what kind of movie this was and what they were aiming to make. So it's kind of like, all right, well do your thing, I guess. So they do this, uh, they do like this uh, competition every year. It's called the Buddy Games. And it's like, you know, idiotic uh, competition stuff. Um, trying to think of what, in the beginning, what they show them doing. But it's like, oh, they're doing paintball. And, you know, that's like one round of it. And then, the, you know, there's other rounds. And they just tally up the whoever gets the most points wins like the championship trophy which is just a bucket with champ written on the side in sharpie but they they always go up to like this lake lake house and stuff and do it every summer so this one summer they're doing it and uh the uh the bald guy wins although he's got like a bad wig on to you know show that he has hair um and one of the other guys who we i don't think ever actually find out who he is he doesn't ever have a speaking part uh, falls asleep in a lawn chair by the lake. So, of course, he whips his nutsack out and is wiping it across his forehead while he's sleeping. And Nick Swartzen is mad at, at the bald guy, so he has a paintball gun and just fires at him. You know, he's going to shoot him in the back, but the paintball instead hits him right in the nutsack and severely injures him, and then he has to go to the hospital. We jump ahead five years. The bald guy is now in a mental facility because it turns out uh, he lost one of his testicles because of, you know, this incident and then got a really bad staph infection. So then he lost the other one. And pretty much this entire incident has just ruined his life. Um, so Josh Dumel's character finds out about it, feels horrible, and they decide for the first time in five years to bring back the buddy games to give this guy something to look forward to. And then it's them just doing stupid competition stuff um one night they go out and josh dumel makes everybody drink this x-lax and then you have to go try to get a girl at the bar to buy you a drink before you shit your pants (laughs) 
yeah, high class stuff. Um, so yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's just like I said, if you're looking for some of the worst Adam Sandler movies, uh, but don't actually want to see Adam Sandler, this is this is a movie you can watch. I guess ends up centering around Nick Swartzen and the bald guys feud throughout the uh, entire movie. Yeah. I recommend. <laughs> uh, so then the next day, I'm like, why well, do you need to stop out my movie watching with some better stuff? Um, and, you know, I notice on my list of movies that I have to watch, I haven't watched anything with the letter C yet. So I start flipping through my voodoo and I'm like, what do I got? And I stumble upon Children of Men, which I've never watched before, but I've mean- been meaning to for like a long time. Um, turn that on. And holy shit, that's an awesome movie. Yeah, it's a good one. I haven't seen it in a while, though. Yeah. So in the weird near future, uh, women stop uh, being fertile, so no babies are born. And pretty much everybody's just, like, content with, well, human race is going to wipe itself out. Everything's in turmoil. Everything's going to hell. Uh, People are trying to across different borders and there's these weird immigration like lockdowns and stuff and whatever but there are people still like protesting or I don't know what you would call them I mean would you call them terrorists I guess but like from our point of view they're like the good guys Uh, but they're led by Clive Owen's ex-wife Julianne Moore who apparently they had a kid and uh, the kid ended up dying, so of course that disenfranchised Clive Owen. So he hasn't seen his wife in like 20 years. And she needs his help because uh, he knows somebody who can get get them like some immigration papers or something. Uh, oh, Lando's not happy, huh? Yep. No. I'll, <laughs> I'll be back, guys. <laughs> That's fine. Go, go for it. Uh... So he uh, helps them out and then gets involved. And it turns out the woman they're trying to move across these borders is a woman who's pregnant. So she's the first first woman in, like, you know, decades to get pregnant. And he suddenly has to help move her across multiple, multiple uh, borders of countries. And, of course, everything's all, like, war-torn and uh, about to become, like civil war and the other fear is that if they find out it's like this poor uh immigrant girl who's pregnant that they will take the baby away from her and try to claim that you know the baby comes from someone else because they wouldn't want the the appearance that there is you know that an immigrant that they're trying to keep out of all these places is the one who got pregnant so it's a lot of uh socio-political commentary and War and just sousy type stuff. Sounds depressing. It is pretty depressing, but it is really good. Like filmmaking is really good. The story making is pretty really good. Uh, at the time, which was like 2006, I want to say, the uh, the filming of this movie was like revolutionary. Like they shot a scene, a car chase, and we saw the entire perspective from. Clive Owen's car 
but the camera kept moving into the car and then out of the car and then around the car and it was all done like with a camera and some cranes or something and it was yeah it's like it was pretty revolutionary at the time obviously now they just do all that shit with cgi and it you know still looks really good but at the time it was it was amazing and i still agree watching the scene in the movie was kind of blown away by it um but yeah definitely an awesome movie i think it worthy of all the praise it gets but yeah like you said make sure you're not in a mood where you want to kill yourself before you watch it because otherwise you're in trouble uh nope let's see i'll end on a good movie so so today this is not the good movie but i'm moving my bad movie down to talk about it first so today i watched uh southland tales oh yeah Wow, that's a weird fucking movie. Yeah, it's so. I, I mean, I'm I'm assuming you picked up on the fact that it's a retelling of Revelations. Uh, I really didn't, but I think because I got so just lost in the story, I was started to look at my phone, so I'm sure yeah. I was not paying nearly close enough. Yeah, it's it's a modernized uh, interpretation of telling the basically the the biblical story of yeah. the revelation yeah i picked up on the two prophets thing i guess but i didn't really right 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 and and uh if i remember right sarah jessica parker is the whore of babylon sarah michelle geller sarah michelle geller sorry <laughs> wrong yeah. wrong three named sarah sarah <laughs> uh yeah and then there's the uh yeah, the the prophets and the beast coming out of the sea, and mm-hmm. it, 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 the only problem is, is, is some of it they kind of moved it to metaphor and all that kind of stuff, which is fine, but they stretch a few of the metaphors and stuff so far that it stops being interpretable. If that makes sense, yeah, which kind of ruins it because the only the only enjoyable part of the film, other than like the visuals and, and some of the performances by, you know, that, that weird cast of kooky people that they have. Which is, is really interesting. Yeah, is, is being able to pick apart, like, okay, well, this is this, and this represents this, and... But, like I said, some of it gets so tenuous that that doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and if that's not there, then it's just navel-gazing, which gets boring. Yeah. Which I think was the problem with me. A lot of the stuff just starts like, okay. A lot of this seems just weird to be weird. Um, I will say I did not recognize Kevin Smith at all. I don't even like, remember Kevin Smith being in that movie. Yeah, he's he's the older guy with like the gray long beard shows up towards the end. You see him a couple times, but he doesn't say anything. And then like he uh, talks towards the end because he's, you know, talking with the rock or whatever. And as soon as he started talking, I was like, holy shit, that's Kevin Smith. He's got a ton of makeup and prosthetics and stuff on. So I had no idea. Um, Yeah, uh, it's yeah. I would say it's not a movie for me, especially for a two and a half hour movie. There's a lot of, like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck's going on type of stuff. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. 
So we'll say was not a fan. I appreciate Donnie Darko for what it is, but I don't know if I'm a Richard Kelly fan. I don't like like you said. I don't. I don't necessarily think it's a bad film. I don't know. I, no. I feel like they just like I said. If they would have just locked locked in their storytelling a little bit better, mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I, I feel. I, I do it's, feel it's like hard to explain. I do feel like there's a good movie in there, but yeah, I just didn't see it. So I, yeah, there's 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 like two different competing ideas and I kind of respect both of them but they don't necessarily work all the time and one is you know leave everything open to interpretation so then people can pick it apart later and that's fine you you can do that I mean that's what fucking David Lynch does and everything all the time yeah just leave it all open let everybody else decide what the fuck it is or you can have a really tight uh, specific intent artistic vision of what something is yeah. and and see if people see what you're getting at and I also like that and I think the problem with this film is this film tries to do both those things and you can't do both those things at the same time you either need to have everything locked in or leave it all open to interpretation but you don't lock in half of it and then all of a sudden leave it all open to interpretation because then you feel like they were leading you somewhere and then dropped you off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Meh. Was not uh, was not a fan. Probably will not check out The Box, which is his other movie, because I was already wary of that because the story The Box is based off of is a really good Richard Matheson story. And was adapted into one of my favorite episodes of the 1980s Twilight Zone. So, don't think I need to. Uh, I'm trying to remember which one that so. is. Is is that the the one where it's a box with a button in it? Yeah. yeah okay. And if you if you push it, someone you don't know will die. But then, as with all great stories, there ends up being a twist after yeah. the person makes their moral choice. I saw it. It had several good actors in it, and I don't recall it being memorable. Well, from what I've heard, it turns into this weird thing about aliens and, like, the mall Santas or something. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, that's not what this story's about at all. So, whatever. Probably won't check it out. And I don't think Richard Kelly's done much since then. So... I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what that was from. There's something where there's a skit where the person starts explaining the box. They're like, if you push the button, you get a million and then like the person like hits the button, they're like I didn't finish explaining yet. And then he goes, You just get and then they're like, they hit the button again. He's like, Stop hitting the buttons. <laughs> I do seem to remember that. It seemed like it's from like a Key and Peel or something like that. Yeah, like I don't think it's that. I don't think it's from that, but it's something. Yeah, the guy similar. hits the the guy hits the button like twenty times. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not a Richard Kelly fan. What are you gonna do? Uh. So the good thing I watched, which we'll end with that, I guess. Uh. So I was going through. I'm like, oh, I still need to find something for the letter E. And scrolling through the movies I have on Voodoo, because I buy a lot of shit 
if it's on like five dollars sale just to have to watch later which i think some people find weird but i'm just like no nah, i just i would like a I like a big a big uh library to pick from i don't i don't do that digitally but if I'm walking through someplace and I see like a nice Blu-ray or something for a movie, yeah, and it's like five dollars, I'm like, oh yeah, give me that. Why well, I do it with physical media too? So, so you know, every uh, every Tuesday and every Friday, Voodoo puts up new sales, so I'll just scroll through, see if there's anything interesting, and you know, five dollars, I'll give it a, I'll give it a bump just to. Have it in my library to check out later. Um, so this one, and Doug, sounds like Doug came back just in time. I'm here. Uh, so I need something for the letter E. So I started going through the E movies I had. And I was like, oh, here's one that I've never watched that I've wanted to. And would be fun to talk about on the show. Which is uh, Enter the Dragon. So okay. I was like, I need, I need a good Bruce Lee movie to talk about. Especially since we're talking about Black Dynamite. Uh, martial arts and stuff. So, caught up with uh, with uh, Enter the Dragon, fucking Bruce Lee, John Saxon, and uh, what the fuck's that guy with Jim Kelly that we were talking about earlier. All participating in a semi-secret underground uh, fighting tournament. I mean, that's like perfect. Like, I don't, I don't need anything else. That's all I need. Somehow John Saxon doesn't fit that description. <laughs> it's just so weird. Yeah, they tried to play him up that he's from Vietnam. He was in Vietnam back in the day and picked up martial arts while he was there. It's like, sure, I guess. Whatever. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Bruce Lee's being sent in by some sort of police authority undercover to try to get it onto this island because they suspect the guy holding the tournament is a uh, horrible criminal, but they can't prove anything, so they need someone to go undercover to get the evidence they need to storm his island and arrest him. That makes complete sense, yeah. Yeah, and the, uh, this guy holds this martial arts tournament every three years, and so sends Bruce Lee in because they sent some other agent in already, like, months before this, and... She's stopped communicating back, so he needs to find out what happened to her and find out if she uh, has the evidence they need to send back, but also on his own to collect evidence. So they basically get on this island. Anything they wish for is basically given to them while they're there for this tournament. Um, they go to Jim Kelly's room and the, the sort of the like the lady host of, of the uh, tournament brings in like six or seven like prostitutes with her and presents them like oh would you like any of these ladies and one by one he just picks all of them and then uh goes to john saxon's room sort of does the same thing and he just sort of doesn't really pick any of the girls but picks the uh the hostess lady um and then Bruce Lee doesn't pick any of them because he's honorable. But tells him he has his eye on a girl he saw in the chamber earlier, which is the undercover agent that he was sent to uh, 
to look for. So they send her to his room and they basically confide in each other that they're both undercover and need to figure out what's going on. Turns out there's a big factory underneath the island that's... I don't remember now. Are they manufacturing drugs? I think it's they're manufacturing drugs. And the the turns out the thing is he does this tournament every three years to bring new people onto the island to sort of uh, try to get them to smuggle the drugs for him to their respective countries so that he has a worldwide network. Um, so, I've never seen this. It sounds like it's way more complicated than I thought it was. <laughs> It's it's good. Like I thought that was fantastic. Cause then, of course then they have the tournament and then Bruce Lee just starts whooping everybody's ass, of course. Um it's kind of funny because it's they play it up that uh at home John Saxon has like a gambling problem and he owes lots of people lots of money. So he comes to do this tournament and it turns out some guy he was in Vietnam with is there. And they uh try to set up this this grift where John Saxon went, goes in. Oh, he sets it up with that guy, but that guy doesn't end up sticking around very long. So he becomes friends with Jim Kelly and tries to set this up where John Saxon would go in to fight and let the dude kind of beat him up a little bit. And this will sort of egg uh, Jim Kelly on to get this other guy to bet against him for like really high stakes, like eight to one odds or, you know, whatever. And then when he uh, gives him the nod, that's when, that's when uh, John Saxon just gets up and starts destroying the guy. So they pull this like a couple times on the island. Um, but yeah, it's I mean it's like lots of fighting, lots of one-on-one combat. They kind of shoehorn in a little subplot for Bruce Lee to be really mad at this other guy that's there. Um, so of course they end up having to face off. And what I did not know is that Bolo's in this movie. <laughs> And he's like the main henchman for like the guy that's running the tournament. So he'll just send him in to teach people a lesson sometimes. And then Bolo just destroys everybody. Uh, so good. Fantastic movie. Definitely worth a watch. I was a big fan. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, all right. So next episode, turns out we are going to do another theme month. Uh... So, one, Mr. Kurt Russell was born on March 17th, and it turns out he's going to be 70 years old this year, which seems like a lot older than I thought, but that makes sense. Uh, feels about right. I guess. I just, I guess when I picture him in my head... It definitely is about right. When I picture him in my head, I just see Jack Burton, so he's always, like, mid-30s to me. Uh, So we're going to be doing an entire month of Kurt Russell movies. Guys, hate yeah. to do this, but I gotta go. Kids oh. up again, so. God damn kid. Guys, gonna have to handle WandaVision without me. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, do you have, <laughs> do you have any input on these Kurt Russell movies? What we're doing first? No, I have no clue what's on the list anymore. Oh. I've been on there too long. I forget. So. You sound like you did in the chat room. Um. All right. Well, all enjoy right. yourself, Doug. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. All right, so we're doing Kurt Russell movies. Um, I figure we just start towards the beginning and do some of his uh, early Disney movies. Uh, does this sound all right with you now? It's fine with me. All right. Uh, so we are doing, if I can remember off the top of my head as I try to pull this list up, uh, The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes, 
and the barefoot executive. So it's not only Kurt Russell, but Kurt Russell with a chimp. So, I mean, nice. it's got to be good, right? I wonder if they're on Disney Plus. I think they are, although I did not check. So, so yeah, we're going to be starting that off. And then we'll be running through some fun uh, themed weeks for Kurt Russell movies following thereabouts afterwards. Followed by theme months every month for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, Noah's trying to set up just theme months completely for the, for the rest of the year. <laughs> just to drive Doug completely up the wall. And he's not here to defend it, so. Um, Peter War Tennis Shoes is on Disney+. Plus. I would assume the Barefoot Executive is, too. But maybe that's one. There's like some racist thing in it that we don't know about, and... uh Disney has disowned it. What year is it from? Uh, 60s, I want to say. Most likely. Um, it is not on Disney Plus, but it is on Amazon and Voodoo to rent. So it is available. Well, that works then. <clears throat> All right. Should we get into WandaVision for the week? Sure. Uh, Malcolm in the Middle episode. This. Which I was surprised about. I was I was wondering what show they were going to go with for the 90s. Yeah. I was... I don't know why, but for some reason I was really thinking it was going to be like Saved by the Bell. Oh, yeah. After they kind of went with like the Full House theme last week. Right. To a uh, Saved by the Bell, yeah. Yeah, so... We, we get a very... I mean, the whole show is Malcolm the Middle themed... It's pretty crazy how how well they got it, except for a friend of mine pointed out. He's like, everything is very Malcolm in the Middle. Like, they nailed it, except for the theme song. Like, the video is good, the opening credits, but the song just was not that great. Right. Which I can see. Um, and is it both kids, or is it just one of them do the uh, talking into the camera thing? I don't know. I wasn't paying that close attention, to be honest, because they kind of did it at the beginning of the episode and then stopped doing it. Yeah. Yeah, they do it like every once in a great while, but I I couldn't remember if both of them were. Um, So basically, uh, Uncle Pietro, or do they call him Peter? I don't know. Uncle Pietro's hanging out, playing video games and stuff. He's definitely here for the, uh, you know, reminding people of who they are sort of episode like everything we came from everything we're going for all that kind of stuff uh the best thing about it halloween episode so everybody's getting all jazzed up for halloween scarlet witch in her scarlet witch costume yeah i'm not going to complain about that uh vision and a pretty authentic vision costume i really like the vision costume too which he claims to be a lucha libre (laughs) wrestler's outfit it's like, sure, why not? It's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's typical just Halloween hijinks. Kids kids are running around, and one of them dresses up as Quicksilver. And then Pietro just dresses up the same, so they just look like Quicksilver and mini Quicksilver. And then the other one dresses up as uh, Wicked. Yeah, pretty much his, co- his, his costume from the comics, which is awesome. 
Uh, we get to see uh, uh, both of the kids uh, using their powers. Um, one of them has the Quicksilver power, so he just runs around a lot. And then the other one uses... His, is it like a telepathy? I couldn't figure out 100% like what his... What Wiccan's powers are? Yeah. I don't remember a whole lot from the comic books. I don't know if I read they're, a whole lot. Their character. powers are basically the same as Wanda and Pietro. Yeah. So so the one kid has super speed and the other one's got magic. Just magic for whatever the plot needs at that point? Yep. All right. So yeah, it's them doing stuff. And then uh, Vision starts questioning everything. Lies to Wanda about where he's going. Does he say he has to go to work or something? I don't remember. Yep. And he basically wanders well, the, the, the neighborhood watch. He's on neighborhood the watch. Neighborhood That's what watch. it is. He uh, wanders to the outskirts of the town, and this is probably the creepiest thing I've ever seen. Because <laughs> it's like residents. Because we've determined that it seems like pretty much ninety nine percent of the residents in this town are, are like trapped there, and basically have to just do whatever sort of Wanda's mind tells them to do for whatever. You know, reason. But it turns out when she's not like directly around people, they just kind of freeze in place or get stuck so that she can't, she can't like keep everybody's lives going. So it shows this one woman like hanging up Halloween decorations and she just keeps like moving her arm back and forth like she's going to hang this sheet up, but doesn't quite connect it and just keeps going back and forth. But then the creepiest thing is when Vision looks at her, a tear just rolls down her cheek. And I'm like, that's fucked up. Yeah, it's real dark. Yeah. Uh, Vision finds the border, breaks through, goes out to the real world. Does not end well for him. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what they're going for, but they're making sword into just complete bastards. Yeah. yeah our favorite sword people get booted out, essentially. Um, but they, of course, just sneak right back in. Well, that and they're just watching Vision die. Oh, for it, sure. It, like it, during that scene specifically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he starts disintegrating the further out of the barrier that he gets. Uh, and then Wanda sort of figures out, like feels that that's happening. And then just pushes the border of... Westfield or whatever the name of the town is forward so that it covers him but we don't see if he ends up reforming or sort of what happens it's a great it's a great scene too because it it swallows the sword encampment and it turns it into a circus I know I thought that was set up awesome. out on the edge of town <laughs> I was like oh she just thinks this is all a big joke Fuck those sword people. Um, then was Darcy the only one who got caught in it? She gets well, I mean, I mean, a ton of a ton of people got stuck. A ton of in people it. do, but I'm saying of our three main like sword people, like Jimmy Woo and yeah, I think it was just um, Darcy. Yeah, yeah, because they were. Oh yeah, Jimmy Woo and what's her, Monica are driving away because they're going to talk to architectural engineer or somebody with an important title yeah she's, some... like, she's, she's like I know just the person to talk to so they hop in a Humvee take off and then the border thing happens but Darcy's been 
found out because she was staying behind to try to break through the firewall to uncover more files or whatever. And she got handcuffed to a Humvee. Uh, the border yeah. just takes her over. We don't see what happens to her. And and we know Sword and or the guy who is in charge of that little thing seems to be up to something uh, not good. Yeah. Seems like a giant asshole. He's the same guy that installed the uh, missile or whatever on the drone last episode. Yeah. So, we guy. discover that he's known how to track Wanda inside there this entire time. And there's a bunch of files that they're collecting weird data on stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fun episode. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say it's the best episode so far, but... Especially not after the week before that was amazing. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Good news is, I believe Kevin Feige has said the next three episodes are an hour long. Yes. So you'll get more uh, concept than we're thinking. I think they said there's an episode coming up that is an office style talking to the camera. I think the uh, clip clip for this week. I mean, they're playing that for Modern Family, but it's that's the same setup. They're doing a documentary, so people are constantly talking into the camera with sit downs and stuff. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited. It's it's interesting. I I really feel like we should have had a bigger glimpse of whatever it is that is uh, supercharging Wanda right now. Because mm-hmm. that's I I think I'm on board with everybody with that theory. It hasn't really been explained how all of a sudden she managed to go into Uber mode. Yeah, but but she clearly is. I don't know. Mm. I've seen some theories that some people say maybe it's the reality stone that she like put it back together mm. and she's using that. Some other, you know, I personally am hoping it's Mephistopheles. Yeah. I've seen a lot of, uh, pe- a lot of theories that are speculating that she is sort of the new infinity gauntlet because she has expressed powers that represent each of the infinity stones throughout different episodes. Maybe. Well, well and and they've they, uh, in uh, Infinity War, they were talking about the fact that she's one of the few beings that had the power to destroy a stone. Mm-hmm. So so maybe the whole idea is she's one of the few beings that could put them back together. Yeah. Should be interesting. Uh, oh, we also saw that Agnes, at least how they portrayed it, uh, is also sort of just trapped here. Some are saying she could have just been bluffing because uh, Vision runs into her parked at a stop sign and she can't go past the certain road, which is pretty much the last street before you hit the border of the town. Um, and he does his usual thing where he taps her on the side of her head and she seems to come around and say there's something wrong and all this stuff. Yeah, there's definitely something hinky going on. Yeah. I don't... It, it, once it, They're doing a pretty good fake-out to get you to convince that she is or is not involved somehow, so... Yeah. So, we'll have to see. Could be just a red herring. Could be... She could be directly involved. We don't know. I see so many, like, speculation articles, like, every... Pretty much every Friday afternoon. Yeah, I try to ignore them. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, I don't even read them, but there's like lots of headlines that it's like this points to the X-Men coming into the universe or this points to the X-Men not coming into the universe. Is this Mephisto? Then people started making memes how everything's Mephisto. So it's like this guy was holding a red cup in one scene. So he's obviously Mephisto. I don't know. There's there's a bunch of weird ones. Like an article keeps popping up for me that's like what WandaVision did right that uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. could never do. And I was like, I don't everything because they have a bajillion dollar budget. Yeah. Be like, I I don't even understand how you can possibly compare what those two different things were doing. Yeah. Plus, they're just completely different shows. So, right, right. A quasi serious kind of goofy TV show with an okay budget on TV versus WandaVision, which basically has a movie budget. Yeah, probably plus, since it's like 10 hours of content. Right. I don't know. That kind of stuff drives me nuts. It's like, I just, you can't. I don't I don't get how they can possibly compare those two things. Yeah. I've seen other stuff. It's like, oh, is this architectural engineer that Monica's going to see? Is that Reed Richards? I'm like, well, look, there's going to be some more reveals coming up for sure. I mean, there's got to be something. But not everything has to introduce everything into the Marvel Universe in this one series. I was getting ready to say, if Reed Richards showed up in this series, that very much would be a uh, Luke Skywalker at the end of Mandalorian-esque thing that I'd be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Which they've teased. I mean, apparently uh, Elizabeth Olsen has said there is a Luke at the end of Mandalorian-style cameo at the end of the series, so... It, it, see, I don't. Did she say at the end of the series? I thought she well, was referring to uh, the guy who played Pietro in oh, the Fox movie. You think that's it? Popping into this one. Well, because yeah. that was pretty crazy. I was, I, I've been avoiding the rumor mill, so I didn't know he had been cast. Mm-hmm. So whenever he popped up, I was like, "Oh, that is clever as shit." Yeah, I didn't see anything that he'd been cast, but they were speculating that both versions of Quicksilver could show up this season. Yeah. So we'll see. That was something interesting in this episode, too, that everybody's trying to figure out. Because he either has Pietro's memories Mm -hmm. or Wanda has, like, given him Pietro's memories, which is weird. Yeah, I think it's pretty much they've confirmed that this is not... The Quicksilver from the X-Men movies. Right. But he does look like the Quicksilver from the X-Men movies. And then it may have just been enough that they just wanted to use the recasting gag that they did when he showed up. They're like, oh, we could do it this way. And we just be like, oh, yeah, we recast Pietro. But yeah, they do. Yeah, he does have memories of being shot and then waking up and... Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. I don't know. We don't, don't have a lot left, right? Three episodes? Three episodes left. Oof. Three hour-long episodes, so... I, I am so glad that I have a lot of content coming my way. <laughs> and then pretty much as soon as this is over, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier starts. 
Right. Falcon the Winter Soldier. Got Godzilla versus Kong at the end of next month. Yeah, lots of good stuff. Something something else comes out halfway through March, right? Uh, I don't know. Well, I, I think Mortal Kombat does, but I don't know if that's what you're yeah, thinking maybe, of. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I don't know. I do I feel like that, there's just lots of shit coming out soon. I need, so. I need that content. Yeah. It's weird. Like, uh, The Flash, the TV show, is starting in like two weeks. Yeah. So, oh, did you did you hear the news about Stargirl? Uh, that the uh, uh, John Wesley ship uh, is going to be but, back as uh, Golden Age Flash on that yeah, show. I, I was going to say not, like, not, not as the '90s Flash, but yeah, as the uh, Golden Age Earth Three version of the Flash, the Jay Garrick Flash. That's what I was trying to think of. I'm, I'm so excited about that because yeah. that. I, I do believe that he's got to hold some kind of a record now, then. Because he's basically, so he played the Flash. He played the Flash's dad. He mm. played the Jake Garrick version of the Flash from Earth 2. Then he played his Flash again from the alternate universe. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's going to play an alternate, alternate <laughs> version of Golden Age Flash. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, they're trying to load up this uh, JSA uh, team on Stargirl, which I'm all about. I've I've enjoyed it so far. Yeah, I'm I fine. think the so far the only show I'm disappointed with is Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. and the only reason why I'm disappointed with it is because they've clearly just sliced it apart for CW, and they it's bad. Yeah, like I, I want to see the original version of it, which is kind of sucks because I don't think I have any way to do that now. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not up on HBO Max yet, but. Right, especially at first I was thinking, well, that's because it's on CW, but I was like, wait, Stargirl's on there. Yeah, well, they had originally released them at the same time on DC Universe and cw they were doing some weird like it would show up on dc universe like on monday but then the episode would air on um then the episode would air on cw like tuesday type of situation yeah i don't it's weird uh i gotta say watching batwoman uh and of course they had to recast because of stupid ruby rose leaving after the end of the first season I uh, was not a fan of how they just brought in this new woman. I just is, feel like she, they... is she doing all right now that she's established? I mean, I guess, but I feel like what they did was instead of sort of figuring out, okay, well, what are we going to have to do now that we're going to have to introduce a new character as a bad woman? How are we going to weave that into our season? It seems like they just tried to rush it in the first like two episodes just so they could then go back to what they'd already planned on doing for this season. That kind of annoys me. Yeah, I can see how that's a problem. Uh, And they just, I don't know. I mean, they announced who they had hired. So, I mean, I'm not even saying it was going to be a surprise of who it was, but man, they could have just come up with a really good concept of, okay, this plane crashed. Kate Kane is missing, because that's what they did. They had a plane crash, and of course, somebody stumbles upon the suit, turns out to be the new girl. She starts doing stuff on her own, but eventually folds into the Batwoman team. 
but huh. they could have they could have done like three or four episodes of okay so the plane crashes kate kane is missing but there is a bad woman that's showing up but nobody knows who it is the situation and then play that out for like four episodes at least i mean i feel like you could get at least half a season out of that but um but like i said i feel like they need to cram it all into two episodes and then continue on with the season that they had originally planned right with doom patrol hbo said they're making more doom patrol too right they had renewed for another season yeah sweet so i just need them to infinitely renew that one <laughs> right it's so good like i don't know how that movie that show's so good I didn't expect a lot out of it. Like, I'm just like, eh, it'll probably be fine. But, you know, nothing crazy good. And then, yeah, that first season is like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Well, I mean, just the first two episodes. The first two episodes that come in so hard on you, you're like, okay. All right, yeah. you guys got it. Yeah, just wait till you get this. <laughs> what, what is it? What is it? The altitude says, and he goes, for all of you who quit watching the show last week, and for all of the new <laughs> fans we have after that donkey fart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good. Yeah, I like. Uh, just wait till the season finale. It opens up a whole other can of worms. So, is there is there two seasons that out right now, or just one? two there is two sweet yeah because yeah. they did the first season on uh dc universe i almost said underground i'm like that's not right dc universe and then uh just did season two straight to hbo max so it was sort of the first one to move over from dc universe which was like well that that uh streaming service is gonna end up going away Turn, turns out i was right I've I've been pleasantly surprised about how little time's been dedicated to the fact that the chief is actually a bastard. Oh, just wait. Season two is pretty much built around the fact that he's a bastard. Oh, yeah. Like I was in the comic books. He's he's bad. He's really, yeah. really bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You find out lots of bad stuff about him in season two. Yeah, I think it's he's supposed to be one of those characters that kind of. His, I don't, I want to say his heart's in the right place, but that's that's not exactly what the thing is. Mm. He honestly thinks he's doing the thing that's going to help everyone. Yeah, and and damn the consequences, <laughs> like which mm. is just a weird attitude to have. Yeah, yeah, and weirdly, because I think it's common knowledge now that the X Men is sort of was inspired by Doom Patrol because they came out like a year before or something. Um, Weirdly, Professor Xavier in the comics has sort of become a lot more like Chief because Xavier was always sort of really good and, you know, does the best for everybody, trying to save mutant kind. And then we got to like the Grant Morrison run and it's like, oh, no, Professor Xavier's like a piece of shit. And then that just sort of they built upon that. Well, I think forward. I would argue the difference is still. All the the bad things that Professor Xavier does, it's always he did an extreme thing in an extreme situation. Yeah. Versus the chief who did an extreme thing in a situation that didn't even call for the extreme action in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, he does extreme extreme things to benefit himself where 
Yeah, Xavier does it to what he thinks is going to benefit mankind or mutant kind or whatever. Right, uh, right. Like putting the block in Jean Grey's head. Yeah. Like, it's awful. It's, it's a terrible thing that he did. But she could have killed everyone. <laughs> like, yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be curious to see how you uh, find Doom Patrol over the next week. I can't imagine it getting worse. No, I love I it. I mean, I mean, fucking Ezekiel the cockroach was preaching in one episode <laughs> for a couple seconds, so I'm assuming I'm I've got more Ezekiel the cockroach to look forward to. Uh, you are you are wise with your assumptions, and the fact that he's Curtis Armstrong makes it even better. <laughs> Doesn't that? I I like I heard the voice and I was like, is it? And I got online and looked it up and I was like, it is. It's so delightful. <laughs> it's bugger. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.